it's Sally here. Just a quick one, just a quick one. If you like this really sweary podcast by Kalechi, sorry, Kalechi, do remember to rate and review Say Your Mind on Apple Podcast. Okay? Now for the very urban intro music. <laughs> It's the Ben's Punani woman is Baby boys, baby girls, you need to hear this Baby sit down, sit down, receive this realness Make sure your cup's ready for the tea we are go sipping yo Hard time scrolling for your long shorts You might learn something you never know let you find And she's one of a kind Don't say you mind, say you mind Oh Lord, don't let me cheat on my girlfriend Ooh Cause as far as I can see, she loves only me. Oh Lord, don't let me cheat on my girlfriend. But Lord, if you can't stop me from cheating, don't let me get caught. You don't even need to ask me what that song is. My all-time favorite. <laughs> Lower me into the ground playing that song. I love Christopher Martin. You did that. You did that. You did that song. <laughs> One of a song made by a bastard. Do you know? I didn't think. I didn't think it could, it could get worse after um. And she saw me on the counter. It wasn't, wasn't me. me. <laughs> that one. Oh, cheetah's prayer. Christopher che- Martin. Woo. You did. Just that I even had to join in for the first time. <laughs> for the first time, you were like, like no, no, this no, is my song. This is you mad? <laughs> this is a bit of me. Christopher Martin, big up yourself. Big up yourself, because what a song. What? It's such a sicky, what's it? It's such a sicky situation. <laughs> no, 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 it's not a sicky situation. <laughs> You've done that. You've actually gone out and done, it's such a terrible, terrible song. It's a horrendous song, but it's so beautiful. You're like going to got it help aid you. <laughs> Oh my God. Lord, if you can't stop me from cheating, then fam, don't let me get caught because at, at the end of the day, it's on you. Like, <laughs> you're the one that that had the choice to stop me from cheating and you didn't. So boy, just don't let me get caught in it. Oh. But it's, it's a well-balanced song because he talks about the hypocrisy of the situation, the double standards. He does say that I, I would be vexed, you know, if I was, if it was the other way around, but Lord, I'm still going to do it. I'm still going to do, do it. I'm still going to do it. And he did that with Shaggy, it wasn't me as well. You know, in the bridge when he goes, wanna tell her that I'm sorry. I'm thinking, no, you can't redeem yourself. You cannot redeem yourself. She but saw you. I think that there is a different genre for these songs where like, they're just saying, I ain't shit, but I'm going to sing it to you so beautifully that you're just gonna <laughs> deal with it like that's when i was tweeting about that neo song where he was just um saying that what is it so you can um out as the sun is shine no when he was just like um i heard that you've had a, a oh yes heard that you just had i just wonder well i don't know how that song was but yeah that, that is i a, just, just wonder. terrible you just said i had a baby girl and if you're she looks anything like her mother she must be the prettiest um, thing in the world. And then, but you just wanted to ask, you don't want to start any trouble with my, me and my fiance. Which you've just, done now like, by you've getting done. in contact with me. <laughs> you've done that by getting in contact with me. But you just want to know if I ever think of you. Like I just had a child. My vagina's healing. Why would I be thinking of you? Why, why would that be the thing that I'm doing? Neo with that face and that head. <laughs> Sorry. I think the worst one, the current, the worst one that's now current is, um, have you heard of your mind still? If no. I ever made you angry, girl, just no. How can you no. not have heard that? With but Drake. I'm, no, because you're mentioning people that I don't even bother with usually. Unless Drake is dropping one of his, um, uh, what is his, his um, fake sort of like, 
Caribbean tunes. I'm not really there. Like it. Wild one, bruv. Yeah. Island girl. Green white, green wine selector. <laughs> Blem is my jam though. But for me, the main one is um, you can say I don't love you just because I cheat on you. Keep going. I don't know. Um, I do. I know that one. The things I do, then, 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 keep you from knowing the things I do. But I'll never drink something I'm not. Please don't go AWOL because I. Uh, oh, no, uh, I, think uh, you, I thought we were keeping you it. You can't right. go and leave me now. You know that I love you. Oh gosh, no. There's no, no one above you. Oh no. I promise the last time. I don't think I'm going to get it that now. This is the last time. Okay, let's leave it there <laughs> <laughs> because I don't. I'm John not, Legend. Baby, you're oh, number the one. one. Oh, well, you should have done it from the chorus. But no, but because we needed the line, you can't say that I don't love you just because I cheat on you. Oh, it's the opening God. of the song. But imagine that, that we can skate over that and be like, oh, baby, you're my number <laughs> one. No, 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 no. Let's go back to what you just said in verse one. Like Stanza one. Let's start there. You said... You can't say that I don't love you just because I cheat on you. You don't know the things I do from keeping you from knowing the things I do. (laughs) (laughs) Creating chaos and protecting you from the chaos that I'm I'm creating. Look, if we're going to talk about ancient men that make ancient music, there's no way we can leave Usher out of the conversation. (gasps) My God. Every time I was in LA, I was with my ex-girlfriend. No, no, no. After he's done that, then he does does that dance thing with his his chest. (laughs) <laughs> so imagine someone imagine someone's telling you how they broke up with you and they 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 oh doc- I was out doing my dirt oh, oh. <laughs> someone's literally doing that and they they what what do you call it they're dance breaking your pop locking your pop locking your are breaking my heart right where you're breaking my heart and you're breaking your own body <laughs> you're breaking dancing while you're breaking my that's heart that's crazy matting matting but yeah anyway you're listening to S Y M clearly oh yeah we haven't even said that hi <laughs> hi. I'm Kalechi Okpo. And I'm Sadi. And this is SYM, officially known as Say Your Mind, unofficially known as What What. That's right, Suck Your Mum. And we're back for another week. I'm glad that you all enjoyed the episode with um, Ghana's finest, yes. Audrey, baby girl. Such a vibe. Such a vibe. Audrey is the best vibe. It was like we all knew each other. We just got into a room and we were like, hey, let's talk. Yeah, let's talk. I want Audrey to come back, though, because I she really will. didn't like the sound quality of that last one. But it's just because, you know, we have to make do with all of the social distancing hickey haggai and just trying to yeah, make life yeah. work um but yeah we're going to record somewhere where it sounds cute where it sounds nice um sounds good today though yeah yeah sounds mm-hmm. good from my headphones and listening and stuff but yeah yeah it'll be sick to have audrey back in and get the rest of the gyalden come through as well um and this week we've got an interview interview with kane day andrews because um i you just all need to know about the books from now on i've just vowed that i'm gonna bring you like the sickest books and that's just what i'm gonna do like i don't i'm the books that i'm just like yeah yeah they're cool i mean yeah I'll, I'll probably mention them in passing, but then the books that I think are absolutely sick, I'm going to try and get the authors on. Um, Kenny Day Andrews, his book came out in February. It's called The New Age of Empire, How Racism and Colonialism Still Rule the World. It's absolutely phenomenal. I can't begin to tell you how I've been highlighting that book like a motherfucker because he did his research and it's a mood. I really want Nakala to come on the show, so yes. maybe you lot should start tweeting at him aggressively because... Um, he needs to know like Akala likes to do that thing where he's like super intelligent and very very put together and just wonderful but he's very distant I need you all to go and bully him bullying works get him on this podcast ASAP thanks so much um but talking about um Kane Day Andrews 
yeah, you're going to hear the interview shortly. Um, and yeah, I, I said it. I'm, I might have to just go and sign up for his course. Now that we're all doing distance learning, I might have to go and sign up and do the course at um, Birmingham City University for Black Studies because I just like him. If I, I like what he's written and I and I would love to study something like that. Um, but yeah, we'll get into that into a, in a bit in Share Your Magnificence. But for now, let's get into the tarot. So um, this week, I just the message that I did for the patrons on Patreon um, last week was what truths are we resisting? So I wanted to kind of bring that message to spirit at this time as well. Like what truths are we resisting at this time? And the message that comes out here is that some people are still in a space of this kind of illusion of lack. But the thing is, you're only going to get encouraged by life so much because there are so many blessings around you. So, so many blessings around you, but you have fixated on the things that you feel that you haven't been given. So you've been blessed with all of these things, but you're just fixated on like, no, but I don't have that thing. And because I don't have that thing, I therefore have nothing. And so I'm using the after tarot deck this week. It's a brand new deck that I bought myself, self-care and all of that. And so the after tarot deck is basically um, depicted, it's drawn like the traditional rider weight deck, but um, this is the moment after. So like literally a moment after what you'd see on the cards is what you're seeing here. So in the initial um, deck, we see like five of coins and we see them walking out in the snow and they're trying, they're walking past this church. What we see in the five of coins or five of pentacles when we're looking in the after tarot deck is that we see that some people have ended up just freezing in the cold they're sitting there with a hat out trying to get money and they just they're not moving anywhere they're not using their crutches they just they're not moving anywhere and then one person is decided with their bag that they're not going to just stay out in the cold even though they've got no shoes on and they've got bandages around their feet they're just going to keep moving they're not going to sit outside like the rest of them man and this has to be you like you have to really try to weather the winter of your soul and make it through you don't have you don't have shoes you don't have jeans all right cool but you have to you have to pick yourself up and keep going because <clears throat> sorry my throat and um, then you've got the lovers in reverse which says that some of you it's a case of feeling like you're hard done by because the relationships that you were in or that you aspire to have they're not energetically aligned to you is the best way to put it you I've mentioned on the podcast before about consistently breaking your own heart there comes a point where you have to sit down and look at the patterns as to how you're choosing people why do you choose the people that you choose why do you choose the people if you see yourself as oh I'm a generous person all right you're a generous person but my generous my generosity is taken for granted because I go and work in these environments or I go and, you know, find myself in this dynamic um, that I'm always giving to people and I don't get anything in return. But the thing is, there is a moment when you clock that you're not getting um, anything in return. It could all be so simple, but you'd rather make it hard. That's what you're doing. You're making it very hard because loving you is like a battle and we both end up with scars. (laughs) (laughs) But there is a point where you clock that there is a, you clock that, ah, this might be me repeating a pattern and then you persist. And then when they are incapable of reciprocating that love, when you're working in an environment where they're perpetually not valuing you and you're t- they're taking you for Egypt constantly, 
you're like, oh, I'm going to stay because, you know, I can love people out of their dysfunction. Sometimes the, the, the fixation with loving people out of their dysfunction is actually um, a call to address your own dysfunction, address why you feel that that is what you want to do with your love. Like you have to, and you have to find that strength because the strength card is next. It's about taming that part of you. It's about loving and embracing that part of you that is yearning for love, that is yearning for healing, that is yearning to be seen. Um, but the, it needs to first and foremost be seen by you like you have to be able to kind of start showing yourself the love that you then want from outside. That's not to say that you can't get that love from outside while you're doing this, but you at least need to know what the, the, the healing love feels like um, for yourself. Everything that you're looking for outside is already within you. I know some people really, really don't like that narrative because they're like, but I still want other people. I still want other people. Okay. You still want other people, but you still keep choosing very shitty people so maybe let's start from the inside and work from there like sometimes people really try to intellectualize their way out of the very basic truth which is you really do need to look at the patterns that are helping you in making the choices that you make because when you address the patterns then you can address the outcomes right and then when you do that we've got the ace of cups then your cup will runneth over then you'll have the things that you want. Then you'll always be overflowing with love and other people can add to it, but they're not, they're, it's not intrinsic that they're there for you to feel the love that you're so desperately seeking. Um, and then the card that you get from the spiritual seasoning for the soul deck is every vibe eventually finds a tribe. And that is a word, a mood and a vibe. Truly, like you will find your person. You will find your people. But to find those people and to find that person, you have to, I'm going to say that woo-woo shit, you're going to have to vibrate at the, um, the, the, the frequency that attracts the kind of people that you want. Like you have to start loving yourself so unapologetically and so um, audaciously, so beautifully that that sends out the signal, that sends out, you know, and even your mindset changes because then you're actually able to see these people as well. Because I believe that the abundance is already around you. The kind of people are just within reach, but for you to be able to appreciate them and to see them, your perspective on what you are looking for that will enrich you also has to change. Yeah, there is only there are so, only so many things you can buy yourself in terms of hashtag self-care before you actually go and do the true self-care that doesn't require much money, if at all, any money. That's what you need to focus on. And then um, I'm also using the deck by our baby boy, Kevin Morosky this week. He's got his affirmation card deck. <clears throat> And it's called Affirmations for Your Head Top and Other Things to Say to Yourself by Kevin Morosky. You can go and get this from his page and you obviously follow him, Kevin, at Kevin Morosky. He was in that incredible episode. One of your favourite episodes, actually, that's one of the most listened to episodes, 100 Pennies. That was, you know, apart from the scandalous episodes when we're having to cuss people out because something major has happened, that is actually one of the pop most popular ones, 100 Pennies. And so this is his new affirmation card deck is absolutely beautiful. And it's exactly what we'd expect from Kevin in his cruddy, like just spiritually beautiful baby boy self. And so this card that you have that came out is you don't have to believe everything you think. And that's that's a word because there is a part of you that clearly believes that the only way that you will be able to see yourself as worthy is if you are somehow able to find someone to fix with your love but that is a preoccupation and that is a distraction from quote-unquote fixing yourself with your own love and so that's why you have to kind of consider the fact that 
you are already whole, you are already wonderful and you are deserving of love. There's nothing that you've done ever in your life that would mean that you are undeserving of love. Um, except if you wear white shoes, because, you know, I hate white boots and kitten heels. But that's by that's by the by that that was unnecessarily aggressive. I'm so sorry. But, <laughs> but honestly, like you've got to allow yourself to be loved. You've got to allow that and you've got to allow yourself to be loved so much that the, maybe the vision of who you are pinning your heart onto isn't the best thing for you. And to allow life to show you other options that will overall be more healing for you so that's the word from the tarot basically <laughs> do you remember that 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 whew, that me and audrey did in unison it was just like that was beautiful i really like um kevin Morosky's um tarot cards yeah very very witty yeah very insightful yeah as he is, I yes. just true Virgo king. He's just he's Virgo. Uh, yeah, Virgo. Oh, Vir- very Virgo. practical. They are very practical. They just don't have time for people's um, higgy hagger. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kevin definitely brings that energy to the table. And just the artistic vision that a lot of Virgos have is mind blowing to me. Like the things that they can create, like visually, um, musically, it's incredible. So big up yourself, um, Kevin. I love I love this deck. Two slaps on your chest. So then let's move to um, Share Your Magnificence then. Let's do that. So Share Your Magnificence this week. We'll have to start with you because it's your birthday on Tuesday. Oh my gosh, I didn't want to mention that. Why? Because everyone's going to be like, oh, how old are you turning? No, do people still ask that? Yeah, people say, oh, how old are you? I'm like, mm, oh, I'm an age. <laughs> I'm just an I'm age. I'm older than my years. But yes, no, it is my birthday on Tuesday, the 2nd of March. Yeah. I'm a March baby, a March Pisces. I just want to say something really quickly. Yeah. I feel like we need to create like a distinction between February Pisces and March Pisces. <laughs> Like, I just want to say because I think we're totally different. I'm seeing people saying, "Oh, Pisces season, yeah," and then your birthday is Feb 27th. I'm like, mm, no, <laughs> you need to be. I want you need to be within. I was talking about it to someone actually. You need to be in the beginning to like mid March to constitute a really good Pisces. But other okay. than that, you're just part of this universe. What's your rising sign? Pisces. Pisces rising. No, no, no. I'm a Sag rising. That's exactly why you're doing that. Because I was thinking that. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a Sag rising. Sag rising because you're not putting rules in place. Yes. That's why other people can't participate in being Pisces. Yes, I don't want them to be. I just feel like we need to we need to start gatekeeping the Pisces. <laughs> and you know, we're the last we're the last sign, so we have a bit of everything. Yeah. Um, the baby of the of the zodiac. Yes, yes. So yeah, I just wanted to put that out there. I will be turning twenty four, uh, and you know, I'll be turning twenty four. And are you? <laughs> Anyways, because if you, it's like you want me to really stop this recording. I will stop the recording straight away. Uh, I'm turning 24. Okay. Uh, for those who don't know, I was born um, 2nd of March, 1996. No, okay, fine, if that's um, what you're going with. Yeah, I was born 2nd of March, 1996. I'm turning 24 on Tuesday. So, yeah, I just, you know, obviously it's, it's sad that we're going to have to, I'm, I'm going to have to spend my birthday in lockdown. This is going to be the first time I'm spending my birthday in the yeah. UK in eight years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The last time I spent my birthday in the UK... I don't want to do the maths because you're, <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna flop on whatever no, 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 you were no, saying. No. The line, anyways, I was I was it was eight years ago when I last stayed at my birthday in the UK for those who care. And yeah, so it's gonna be a different time and I'll just get through it, get through the day. Yeah. Um, I it was funny because I saw your tweet where you were like Jamila and Kemi are getting me a Cartier bracelet for my birthday. <laughs> 
I'm glad you find it funny because it was so embarrassing the way they both came and was like, oh, who, who, what Jamila is this? What Camila is this? <laughs> They're like, and I said, and you know, after that, I followed up the tweet with, oh, get you some rich friends. And they were like, well, you should take your own advice. <laughs> I was like, okay. And the, the, you see, this is the thing. And, I, and I, I was showing people, look, manifesting doesn't work. Yeah. I tried to manifest myself a really good birthday present. <laughs> they both shut it down. So, well, okay. There you go. There's there nothing- you go. <laughs> no way <laughs> oh no I'm gonna cry you didn't this is a Cartier bag yeah <laughs> no I don't even want to touch it oh my god no <laughs> and you saved this for the podcast <laughs> <laughs> no happy birthday in advance I wanna cry you have to stop this <laughs> so it's it's not like the full blown that I would have got you if I was absolutely bawling. If I was absolutely bawling, oh. but I just wanted you to have something because manifesting does work. You're lying! <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god, big sis! Oh my god! You're joking me! No. You did not get me Cartier. Yeah. This is a Cartier. Just summit. I believe You're that you joking. have to. You have to start somewhere. At least get one thing, and then the rest of the car. Oh, I'm will going come. to. Oh, you are fucking me. You are lying <laughs> to me. You got me Cartier. Oh my god! <laughs> I can't even open the box. Hold on. It's oh my god, something. guys! Sorry. It's just something. It's just a little summer. But I believe that you have to have one of the things, and then you'll find that I had to get like one um, iPhone, just any iPhone first, before I could start on my journey. Oh, guys, when is her birthday? Yeah, do you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, I'm gonna have to start saving up for your birthday now. This no, is no, no. What is, I okay, I'm about to... to open it. What is this? What is this? What is this? Okay, I press the button. Oh my god! Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Oh my god, this is Cartier! (laughs) (laughs) Yes. They said when outside opens back up, we can get it adjusted if you need it to um, be adjusted or whatever. Oh my god, thank you so much! Oh my god, a Cartier bracelet for me! Yeah. Well, that's that's the show your magnificence. You've had it, you've had a. A, a rough year. Some of that likes to fly out so much, and for the panoramic to just be like, "Nah, babes, you you won't go anywhere." So manifesting does work. You don't have no, to. No, mani- guys, manifest. <laughs> sorry, because you know, I, even the other day I tweeted. I said, "Manifesting doesn't work. You have to steal." <laughs> sorry, guys, I take that back. Manifest, manifest. Oh, but thank you so much. I my love pleasure. you so much. My pleasure. My pleasure. Oh, my, a Cartier bracelet. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, what's this as well is this a little pouch no that's your pouch just to put your put your bit, bits in oh guys you should see there. my face I can't believe this <laughs> Mia Cartier it made me laugh I was just like well let's go and let's see because you called me the other day and you were like oh did, did Jamila and Kemi really get your Cartier and I was like girl get off the phone what, did, what, what, what Jamila and Kemi are going to get me a Cartier I just Oh, thing. But you don't want to put it past them you never know they might even come through oh it's not with two oh <laughs> I wasn't even expecting anything for my birthday. I know, I know. But I this is what I for anything. This is, oh. this is why we, we need to we need to change all of that. We need to change all of that. You have to Sis. have things. <laughs> this yeah. has to be the most you've ever spent on someone. Um, Actually, no, don't comment. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh my God. 
That's such a Pisces thing to say. Like, let me know in the grand grand scheme of things. Oh, thank you, thank you. No, my pleasure. I've even got the Cartier box, the Cartier pad. You just got it. Now you just be flinging your arm anyhow. Oh my! So manifesting works. Manifesting works. If you put it out into the universe, you never know who's seeing your tweet, and they're like, "All right, cool, bet, got you, I got you for that." <laughs> now you're gonna go back online, and you'll be like, "Guys, so guys, oh my gosh, you see, this is ruining my attention now." Okay, okay, <laughs> all right, that is my magnificence, guys. Thank you so much. I'm about to give my sister some kisses. <laughs> But I'm gonna keep it professional. <laughs> Say your mind. You. Suck your mom. Okay. <laughs> Cartier. Hey, hey. Let me tell you, these people can't talk to me at work anyhow. Anyhow. These people at work can't talk to me anyhow. I am. Um, you see that song that everyone's talking about? A day another level. Hey. A day another level. Hey. Hey. You'll shop and you'll be like, guys. What? In that Zoom call, you will definitely have your camera on this time. Just what? your wrist. Your wrist in the shop. Just so people know. And I love like like just understated pieces as well. I think that they just look sick when you just have something and it's just like, yeah. You don't you guys don't need to know, but I know. I know the levels. I'm aware. So then share your magnificence then. Let's let's get oh, into it. God. It's funny because I said um I want more eye catching um what is it? What did I say? More eye catching subject titles so I can see it and then I'll more likely to read it. And somebody actually wrote in and they said this is your um eye catching title. So- that's that's what they that's, titled okay, it. Okay, well, I need to. We need to hear. What <laughs> they, they said what this eye-catching is. title. <laughs> Thank you. They said hi, Madam Prime Minister Kalechi. I already sent you the b- email below, but in the podcast today, you said if we wanted our letters read out, we should make our titles more eye-catching. Hence, the wayward capitals and the subject line. You see, I have listened, I have learned, and I'm following instructions. Now, if only this nation will do the same and wash its legs and season its food as you've been advising. <laughs> Wishing you peace and joy this week, a baby boy. Um, so the letter says. Dearest Kelechi in the place to be, in the midst of the panoramic, I hope this message finds you safe and well. I'm an OG listener of the podcast and I've op- um, and I and, and had hoped that my first letter would be an exclusively positive one. My intention was simply to share a bit of magnificence. That's all. How hard could it be? Of course, nothing's that easy. Unfortunately, this wayward government continues to move mad. So while I begin by singing the praises of some incredible women who have inspired and uplifted me lately, I will have to send... Um, with it a submission for straw of the week that desperately needs the world's attention for that reason this will be a lengthy sermon and i apologize in advance share your magnificence my first share your magnificence naturally goes to you apart from the regular assurance of a belly laugh every monday your podcast and in particular the tarot has helped me uh, help to give me stability of mind during some trying personal circumstances A couple of years ago, the company I worked for downsized and I was given the choice of a voluntary redundancy or taking on a greater workload for no additional pay. Although unemployment made me nervous, the message in your readings was clear. I had to step into the unknown to find the right path for me. The months that followed were difficult. I was eating into my savings and I wasn't having much success in a job hunt. But after listening to one of your readings, I was reminded that nothing comes before its time and to practice patience and self-compassion instead of beating myself up for not achieving what I wanted quickly enough. I decided to follow your advice right then and there. I sat on my bedroom floor and invoked the help of Tara, the archetype deity of um, active compassion within the Tibetan Buddhist tradition. I then took myself directly to the Buddhist center where I practiced to try to restore my energy. 
It was as if you had put me in exactly the right place at the right time. While browsing the library shelves, I got to chatting with one of the centre's um, monastics. She informed me that they were hiring and suggested that I apply. At this time, I was very much invested in my Buddhist practice and I believed that my progress in this path would be aided by being embedded in a Buddhist community. The fact that an opportunity to do exactly that presented itself so serendipitously struck me like a miracle manifested. And on top of that, it could provide me with a way of making a living. Nobody can tell me there isn't divine energy at work in this world. To cut a long story slightly shorter, I ended up getting the job... um, of center manager and since then i've transitioned to the role of spiritual program coordinator Woo! let me tell you i am in my element the job entails the development and delivery of an educational curriculum of buddhist philosophy psychology and meditation it's fascinating work but also extremely fulfilling i feel like i'm making a real difference in people's lives as an aside i'm a biracial baby boy of jamaican heritage and the first person of color to occupy the position of spiritual program coordinator at this center but but Thank you so much for helping me find my true calling. You've affected my life in ways that I cannot begin to explain. I hope good fortunes rains down on you and your loved ones like a cascade of heavenly flowers. Infinite slaps on your chest. This brings me to my next Share Your Magnificence. I want to give a shout out to one of my colleagues. Let's call her Kay, since I don't want to put her name out there without her permission. She's one of the founders of the Tibetans for Black Lives a platform that she created to educate the uh, the Tibetan community on anti-black racism. I really admire her for doing the work of awareness raising within her own community, despite the backlash she got from certain members who thought that she was detracting attention from their own struggle against the persecution of the Chinese state. She um, recognised the pivotal importance of addressing anti-blackness in any conversation about racism and refused to buy into... the oppression of um, Olympics narrative. For that, I give her respect. As my final share of magnificence, I also want to give props to Jan Willis, who I had the honour of interviewing recently and who is a real G. She's Professor Emerita of Religion at Wesleyan University in the um, and the author of several books, including Dreaming Me, Black Baptist and Buddhist, was named one of six spiritual innovators for the new millennium by Time magazine and one of Ebony Magazine's Power 150, most influential African-Americans. Not only has she done incredible work in creating wholesome spaces for black Buddhists to practice, but she's a living embodiment of the fact that being black and Buddhist is not a contradiction, and as such um, was an inspiration for me when I started out on the Buddhist path. She's just one of the many important black teachers of various Buddhist traditions, um, notably many black women who are exploring the connections between spiritual practice, race, and social justice thereby bringing transformative healing to black bodies and minds, which in turn is informing my own work. There are many others who are also doing this work. Zenju Earthlin Manuel, but but the Black Angel deck of cards are my favourite of all time. You'd know that from the very beginning of the podcast. Um, Reverend Angel Kayodo Williams, Lama Rod and Pamela Ayoyetunde, to name but a few. I owe a debt of gratitude to all of these people. And what better way to express that gratitude than sharing their magnificence? Okay, Um, so I'm going to save your straw of the week. I've got to remember to come back to this to do your straw of the week. So we're going to save it. And there's a message for Sadiq here on the bottom as well. So we'll come back to we'll come back to this. So remind me, we've got to come back to. They sent you a share your magnificence straw of the week. 
he wasn't playing. He was like, yeah, here you go. I've got all of that. You want Shea Magnificent? So you mad? I've got all of it for you. So so I'm going to put a note to, for us to come back to that very, very shortly. Um, go back to letter. It's just what I've written to myself. Um, so that's that Shea Magnificent. And now we're going to cut to the amazing, amazing, amazing interview that I did with Kane Day Andrews. And um, so you can learn a, a, a bit more about his book that's now out and you can go support the thing and educate yourselves. Even if you feel like you already know lots and lots of stuff, you can always know a bit more in it. So yeah, we'll cut to that. Catch you in a bit. Thank you, Kane Day, for agreeing to speak with me. Um, oh, thank you for asking me. Was, <laughs> it's my pleasure. It's, my, it's the honour's mine, I think. Um, what a brilliant, just what a brilliant book. Like you just, you just, you're just out here writing, out here writing, out, out here saying the things all of the time. Whenever I watch your interviews, I'm like, yes, drag them, drag them all. <laughs> 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 um, so, um, so I, I, I truly, truly just admire so much the work that you do. And, um, in terms of, you know, academia as well. But The New Age of Empire, How Racism and Colonialism Still Rule the World, I think it's a book that is so necessary. It's so timely. I have to say that I was reading this book and then I instantly went on the um, university website and looked up your course. Okay. (laughs) And I was just like, okay, deadline's May 2021. All right. <laughs> you might, just, you yeah, might you just be seeing me. Because... <laughs> That's good. My, my bosses will be happy to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> so you are a professor of Black Studies. Yes, at Birmingham yes. City University. Yeah, yeah. And so you've been out here doing the work. This is not just something that you um, decided last week that you're going to be talking about. Like you've been talking about this and you've been creating the spaces for us to have more equality. But in terms of the urgency for you, for this particular book, um, you know, uh, considering your other books, for this to come out, what drove you to want to do this at this time? Um, Yeah, I mean, I think it is important to like say that there's a lot of work into this, right? And this is one of the things which has been happening is that basically the right-wing press have got like random black people to come and say oh the book's terrible it's it's, it's, it's I don't experience racism and, and it's not yeah. a, like an opinion it's not like this is years of work a lot of work and evidence and like this is it's yeah it's, it's not like I just sat there one day and said Look, everything's racist this yes. is based on <laughs> I mean, everything <laughs> is racist I mean, you can say it that simple because it's true right but mm-hmm. you know this is based off not just my work but other people's work like there's so much stuff in the book cited and the whole I, I, get it, I guess I write I wrote the book because I do spend a lot of time in in university but also public spaces having these discussions and we're still asking whether Britain's racist on BBC like that's where yeah. we're at with the conversation yeah and so the books is like this is stop this nonsense like of course it's racist and let's try and properly understand historically and presently and how we got to where we are we say we want to make black lives matter and all that so let's actually really understand the stakes so that's what the book tries to do just outline what the problem is yeah and I think that that's what the book does so phenomenally well you know that there are what I found in my um learning is that I've had to kind of like put the pieces together and you allude to it as well in the in your um in your book when you talk about in terms of school they kind of just brush over 
um, the industrialized, you know, industrial revolution, as they want to call it, and they don't want to connect how, how, how did that come about? How did we get there? They don't want to connect that. So we've had to go away, do the learning for ourselves and put these pieces together. And what this book does, which I'm grateful for, is that it's like, no, here are all the pieces of the puzzle together for you. So you can understand where we are at this moment. So um, I've highlighted everything. Okay, I, I could have just, just highlighted every line, but you know, we will start at a particular point. And um, <laughs> so there is um, just from the introduction, part of the introduction, you say here that um, racial patriarchy lies at the heart of the new age of empire um, and tracing its practice is utterly essential. To do so means understanding that gender plays out at the intersection with racism in complex ways. For instance, whilst there is no doubt that women have experienced and continue to experience gender depression, it is also true that those who are white accrue the benefits of colonial logic. Like the working classes in the West, women here are also spared the conditions of the underdeveloped world. For all the exclusions of women in the middle and the ruling classes, they remain privileged compared to those poorer than them. While we remember the brave male pioneers of genocide, slavery and colonialism, it was Queen Isabella of Spain who gave the green light to this new world discovery and Queen Elizabeth I who launched Britain's industrial involvement in the slave trade when she assented to John Hawkins mission on the slave ship Jesus. And I thought to myself, Lord, we're only at the introduction. God, <laughs> we haven't even got into the book yet. <laughs> we haven't even gotten into the book, and Dr. Kane Day Andrews is dragging everybody's singlet. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but I um, have mentioned that on the podcast before, and that's why I wanted to kind of highlight this specific bit that I have a real issue when um, white women specifically say things like, white men, am I right? And I'm like, yeah, you're right, but you're also wrong. What about you? Like, what role did you play? And um, I think that the reason for that is obviously because of the construct of femininity and white feminine purity and having something to fight for, the white women need to look like they're not a part of the thing that has been fought for. But I would just hope that we could talk about that a little bit actually, about the ways that actually when we look at this, white women have given the assent in, historically to say, go and, go, and, go and kill. Yeah, I mean, if you can look at those two examples of the, you know, the two really important uh, queens who kind of launched this kind of new age in many ways but more generally yeah. like just you know where women owned slaves we don't talk about that women owned enslaved africans white many white women owned enslaved africans um and if they didn't own enslaved africans they lived in households which benefited from enslaved africans but there's definitely no doubt that there is gender depression uh throughout the, mm -hmm. world, throughout the west but that doesn't mean that white women aren't culpable culpable 100 culpable in racism and yeah. particularly if you think about the the stereotypes around black men and around lynchings and around these guys, I mean, just the culpability there is so obvious, right? So, but, and it's, so when we're thinking about uh, intersectionality, this is what intersectionality is really about. It's mm. about saying, well, let's understand that there is gender depression, but let's understand how it intersects with racial depression. And then it, it means a different thing. So the category of being a white woman is a very different category of being a black woman. And we shouldn't, we should not confuse the two in any way. Yeah. And so you uh, mentioned about um, when we move from Queen Isabella, we move from Queen Elizabeth I, and we look at um, somewhere like the Jim Crow South, where, you know, the very idea that white women could be tarnished in any way meant that when they made these false accusations against black men, that led to more lynching. So when we look at just Oh, yeah, I, that bit caught me because you said um, 
you know, you talked about the audacity to come forward years after and say, oh, actually I lied when actually you telling us that you lied is immaterial because we kind of already knew that. Yeah, in the Emmett Till case. I mean, that Emmett Till case is, is there is that, I can't remember the woman's name who they said mm. it like decades later comes in. Actually, yeah. no, I was joking. He didn't work with me at all. Um, and that's really, so, and the lynching thing is really interesting because again, in terms of intersectionality, we, white feminists didn't want to know about lynching back in the day, right? So Ida mm-hmm. B. Wells, Ida B. Wells is really important anti, anti-lynching activist. And the white women like, this is not our problem. These dangerous black men, they're, well, we're actually, we're, we actually want them to be lynched, right? This is, we, this is for mm. our safety. And black and black women like Ida B. Wells are saying, well, actually, look, this isn't a, a male issue. This is a, a black issue. It's a black feminist issue. Because if you're killing thousands of black men, what does that, impact does that have on black women? Yeah. Right? So we shouldn't be seeing these things as, as that's what intersectionality does. It changes it. So it's not just men, women, black, white. It, it, it's about how do the things work and what's the actual impact on all of us. And so something yeah. like lynching becomes a feminist issue, which is why actually Black Lives Matter now started by three queer black women. Mm. It's an issue which black women get killed by the police and black women are more likely to be arrested, but it's you know disproportionately about men, right? Yes. But it's, it's the same thing. If you're arresting billions of black men and, 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 billions of black, and lots of black men are being killed by the police, who does that impact? It impacts black women. And then when you look at the poverty rates of black women, the eviction rates of black women, those are partly explained by those attacks um, by the police on black men. So that's what intersectionality does. It's trying to bring all these things together. Yeah, and you and you do that incredibly well where you say um, it is estimated that there are 1.5 million fewer black men in the United States than there should be due to these effects. In Ferguson, the problem is so acute that there are 40% fewer black men than women. Given this disparity, we really should not be surprised that single parenthood rates are higher in African-American communities. The result being that black women with children are far more likely to live in, uh, in poverty and to be evicted. And I love that you touch on that because I get tired when I'm watching um, the news, let's say in Britain, and then they'll go and find one bedraggled unseasoned soul to come forward and say, Oh, but the issue with knife crime and all of this is the, you know, absent fathers, absent fathers, and they frame it as if therefore it is the issue of black women that there are these absent fathers, but they don't want to look at the system that makes this the case. Yeah, there's, there's a, I don't hate, I don't even want to say his name, but (laughs) Uncle Tony, Tony Sewell, um, who is uh, famous for this argument, like, of um, that the black boys are being feminized, and it's really, what you're really doing is you're blaming the women, you're saying, the women are ran off the men, and the women can't raise the boys, and therefore it's it's the women's fault, you're having all this crime, it's so bad, it's such a terrible, terrible argument, Um, but unfortunately, too many of our people fall for that as well. Right, and and I, this is why I think that everybody needs to read your book and more importantly for me black people need to read your book and this is why you know I wanted you so uh, much to be a guest on the podcast when I started reading you know when I heard that this book was coming out and I started reading it and stuff because we can know things and we can have a general knowledge about black history or as we should be just calling it history, yeah. but we we can have, we, we can have a general knowledge about these things. But there are things that you talk about in here that means that it just ties everything in so nicely, so people aren't just kind of talking without knowing where really they're trying to land. So you talk um, also, and I'm still like I said, I'm just at you know just at the beginning here. But you talk about the way that even. Um, we, in the city, uh, you talk about here that after Grenada was conquered by the Spanish, 
that we found that um, books, two million um, Arabic books were incinerated because they thought they wanted to de destroy the written words that kind of proved where all these, all this knowledge originated from. And some names were then um, changed. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, literally, the book I'm writing now is called "The Psychosis of Whiteness," where I'm basically saying the only the only way to understand whiteness is, is it just creates these delusional myths and these fantasies, and mm. the idea that the West, like, because the, the, there's a lot about the Enlightenment in the book and this emergence yes, of yes, science, yes. And, the, and the idea that the, the West is the kind of front of progress that produced all this knowledge is literally made up. Like they actually, um, when the Spanish, so they, in Spain, there's like for seven hundred years the Moors. Um, from North Africa, common, essentially civilized Spain and Greek civilization yeah. into into Europe, basically. Um, and then the Arabic at that point is the center of the world language, and in terms of books and in terms of the libraries. And the first thing that Spanish do when they win, and it's 1492 is important because it's the same year, and then this then opens up going into mm -hmm. Americas, is they burn all the Arabic books. They literally have this big bonfire. They burn the book, but before they burn the book, they translate them into um, into Latin. And then pretend, and then change the names of everybody. Pretend that everybody was <laughs> was white. <laughs> and, and those are the people that we learned. No, like that's a set. Give them credit, I guess. But but they literally whitewashed <laughs> whitewashed history, and then believe their and then they believe the hype. So then they believe all oh, everything they do, <laughs> even though we just only we just made it up and destroyed it and changed everybody's names. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. What else could you call it? But psychosis. I I, I don't know what you call it. This and this is, uh, you know, I follow you um, on Twitter. I follow um, Gilan Kinuani um, on Twitter as well, um, and she has a, a book out currently, or well, coming out, called Living While Black. And um, Gilan constantly talks about the psychosis of whiteness. And when I started to really, really sit down and consider what you were both uh, kind of putting forward, that it can't be anything other than psychosis to just decide that. Well, I can see reality, but I'm just choosing that this is the story that we're going to tell. And because of the societal power that you have, that story becomes the only story. And when we are trying to tell another story, people are looking at you wild like, what do you mean? What do you mean? And I think that it's important that you say every week somebody's on the news talking about, but is Britain racist? Does racism exist? Meanwhile, you lot saw Black Lives Matter inspired dance routine and you went and wrote in your thousands <laughs> that you hated it. It's, 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 I don't even know. I, like, there's so many examples. Like, uh, I think in terms of knowledge, a simple one would be Egypt. Like, Egypt, like, Egypt is so important. Like, mm -hmm. and this idea that I learned in school that Pi was, was it Archimedes, one of them Greeks? I don't yes, know, one yes, of these Greeks. Yes. But the, you actually have, and this is the thing about the, that's what science in the West is supposed to be is about evidence, like what's in yes. front of you and you look at it. Well, logic. We have, <laughs> exactly, logic. Well, there's <laughs> pyramids and we know how old the pyramids are, right? They're there. We know mm. where the pyramids are. And if you measure the top of the, from the top of the um, Great Pyramid to the, to the bottom, it's an, it's like, it's a, it's an, it's relation, it's, it's a, it's a, the equation is related to pi. Like it's very clearly yes. an approximation of pi, right? Yeah. So the evidence is telling you that thousands of thousands of years before the Greeks turned around, came around, we knew what pi was. So why are we still learning today that pi is from Archimedes? Like, yeah, like, that made sense, you said it. You 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 really. I, I love that the receipts are endless because 
when you say here, like you say, the pyramids alone are testimony to the civilization's scientific achievements. Um, in school, we learned that Archimedes discovered pi in the third century before Christ. But if you divide half the perimeter of the Great Pyramid of Giza, built over 2000 years earlier by its height, the number you come to is an approximation of pi. It is clear that the level of development in Egypt far outstripped anything in Europe at the time. Even scholars in early Europe agreed that the Egyptians and before them, the Ethiopians produced um, developed civilizations whilst Europe was in a stage of deep barbarism. Have they left that state of deep barbarism? <laughs> one, one could argue. One could argue. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so you say, just as Europeans whitewashed the Muslims out of their intellectual history, so the Greeks did the Egyptians. Um, wow. Because then I think of all the Hollywood films that we see as well. Mm -hmm. They're um, black people in Egypt, right? <laughs> <laughs> but also the preoccupation with Greece when they want to make a, a lot of these movies as well. It's just like, yeah, well, we're gonna focus on Greece because that was, you know, the, 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 the core of where the knowledge came from. And it's just easier to take from there. Um, the one that gets me is when they start now saying that Egypt must've been aliens. So when they basically- You know, that caught me at one point. <laughs> that caught me at one point. In my earlier learning, I must've been about 20 at the time and I was just like yeah but if you look at it from space it could only really have been and then I just thought when I started learning more it's like just because white people didn't do it doesn't mean aliens did it <laughs> exactly. it's like were, it's more believable the aliens did it than black people did it I mean that's deep <laughs> it's so insulting and I think about it often and I'm just like wow um this is this is amazing but you also go to talk to us about um actually when we look at racism and being careful and intentional when we talk about racism and its origins um you mention here about the um tunisian scholar ibn khaldun mm -hmm. who was um hundreds of years ahead of the dead white men in declaring that africans have little that is essentially human and have attributes that are quite sim similar to those of dumb animals but before we get too carried away, although the West may not have birthed the idea of racism, it found its prosperity by exploiting the concept to its fullest. Um, and I think that that's important yeah. because oftentimes, yeah, we do find that when we're talking about it and we're talking about Carolus Linnaeus and, you know, 1735, Systema Naturia, when we're talking about these things, we're, we're talking about it as if, yeah, well, this was really where it started, where it's like, no, people use this before that, like people were using yeah. this before that, but these lot, just went wild. Yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> essentially what the, the what Europeans do, right? They don't really have any new ideas. They just take mm. ideas and then just ramp them up. And racism is a perfect example. In fact, um, if there wasn't an Arab slave trade, it's quite possible that slavery, African slavery wouldn't happen because there's already a market there. When Columbus is the first European slave trader, he sells um, the natives of the Americas into the Arab slave trade. So it's quite possible without the Arab slave trade, there is no, you just don't see slavery um, in the same way um, in Europe. But that doesn't, and I put that in the book on purpose because yes, there was an Arab slave trade. That does not mean that that takes away any responsibility or anything other than the arguments that we make about racism, slavery, and Europe, because they're very different systems. But the Arab slave trade is actually longer. Um, it still still carries on in some ways. Um, there's more mm -hmm. people involved in it. But the Arab slave trade was predominantly about um, like it was servants. It was it was luxuries. Like it was, it's a bad way to, but they basically saw it as luxury goods. 
Mm. You know, European slaves are totally different. This is about commodity production. It's about make, it's about producing wealth. And they, the system of slavery produces so much wealth that the West is currently built on. And that doesn't happen in the Arab slave trade. The Arab slave trade, some people get, they, they don't make wealth. They spend their wealth on the enslaved and it just okay. ends and goes there. Whereas Europe takes the system and makes, and, and all the prosperity we have after this is really built on the, the wealth accrued from slavery, which is why we can still say the legacy of slavery is that wealth. Because yes. it's still with us, right? And the poverty as well, because also the poverty completely destroys the African economy. Um, and we're still seeing the legacy of that today. Yeah. Um, and I love that you put here, decolonizing the curriculum has to mean more than being a bit critical of Kant or adding some diversity to reading lists. If, and this is a big if, we want to build an anti-racist society, we need to completely rethink the underlying basis of the knowledge that produces the world. And... I'm probably going to have to read your book over and over again because I was just like, oh, rah. So upon all the things that I thought I knew, even when I take this specific thing, I look at it and I unravel it, I'm still coming back to the same thing. Lord, help me. <laughs> no, but, so before I wrote the book, I would have probably said, like, you can change the curriculum. You could, these people like Kent and that, you could probably keep them in. Yeah. Nah, when you let about boy, the devil's in the detail. Get rid of it. Yeah, you don't need it. Let's, honestly, just get rid of it. Like, my one, if I was if I was education secretary, I'd just get rid of the get rid of the discipline of philosophy completely and just start again. Because it's so it's not just that it's racist people that did it. The actual philosophy itself is racist, is racism, produces the world that we have today. And we by having to keep going through it all the time, we're just we're bit defined by it. We should just get rid of it. There's many other things you could learn which would be much more useful. So then how does that, how does that play out? You as somebody who is prominent, prominent within um, academia, you are the first professor of black studies in the UK. How does that, it feels like a conflict. It feels like a tension existing in this space while knowing that what hold, upholds this space needs to be done away with. Yeah, it is totally hundred percent. I mean, it's like it's like I said. I to everybody, I'm a house Negro. I would say, I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> I say all the time, I'm like, guys, I'm a hypocrite. Like, let me just let you know off the bat that I'm telling you all of these things, but I still have to exist within the system to do the work. Duh. Yeah, exactly right. But that's that's. But the thing about Hasney, because I, I think is it in the book. I'm not sure. It could be a back to black. But the thing about Hasney is it's not. We typically think Hasney grows is big criticism. It's not. When Malcolm X says Hasney what he's basically saying is, look, we're all slave, we're all enslaved on the plantation, yes. and there are some people in the house who's slightly better up. It's not mm -hmm. great. You're still you're still enslaved. You're still going to be victim of sexual violence. It's not good. It's not like yeah. you're not free, but because yeah. you're in a slightly better position, and that's if you think about my position. I say, look, I'm in the house. I'm in a slightly yeah. better position. Um, and so the question then is, do I use that slightly better position to, for me personally, and try and elevate myself and just try and and try and get as much as possible, or do I use that elevated position to try and help the conditions in the field? That's the, that's the question. And that, and that really is what the House Negro, Field Negro argument from Malcolm's about. You say, yeah. look, if you're a House Negro, you're still black. You're still enslaved. You're, your responsibility yeah. isn't in the house. Your responsibility is in the field. And so the question is, and it is a question, is to what extent can you do radical work while you are in the house? I don't know. It's possible that it's not yeah. possible. And, it, and we tried to, that's what we tried to do black studies specifically, because it's a different space with different, completely different curriculum. 
Um, we're using the resources and trying to put those resources into community. Um, I think people would say that we have done that relatively successfully. Yeah. But if you if if in a couple of years, and it's difficult because the university is just a terrible place to be in. <laughs> so, but I would tell everybody if it's not possible, if it's if there's a limit to it, then leave. I don't have to. I don't. I, I'm I'm not embedded in. Whereas I don't. I don't feel proud of being a professor. It's not something that gives me any meaning. It is something which gives me the opportunity to do particular things and if we need to leave we need to leave but there is a, 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 but that's that's but it is a contradiction definitely. yeah but to me it's one that I enjoy I mean it, I just think that there is a lot to learn in some of these complexities and to figure out where we fit in but I, I commend the fact that you're out here like looking at that and saying well these are all the ways that I see all of these tensions and I'm still out here doing the things that I'm that I'm doing because I think that where I struggle sometimes is when we have these conversations and everyone has lofty ideals but they don't want to admit that you know we are all still complicit within the system and we have to be as a form of survival but they become survival and then they just becomes you're taking the piss so what, you know <laughs> so, what, so it's figuring out where we where we where we are where we are in that, yeah. where that in that whole story um you say here um, in the chapter about slavery, you say transatlantic slavery was the fuel that powered Western development. It was the massive wealth derived from the system that allowed the West to catch up with and then overtake the rest of the world. Slavery was not new, as we said, um, um, Europe developed on the back of uh, the Arab slave trade that was hundreds of years old when Columbus sailed back from Hispaniola with indigenous Americans to sell into slavery. But the transatlantic slave trade was a unique development, reducing Africans to subhuman commodities who became the major currency for Western progress. By 1833, however, the system had begun to fray. The Haitian Revolution of 1804, and you talk about the fact that over 20,000 enslaved Africans took part in these, um, you know, in these re um, revolts. And I think that that's important because we see in the modern day, I'm not my ancestors. How did 20,000 slaves, enslaved Africans, manage to revolt without social media? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean is the irony of social media is the more connections we have, the less unified we are right like exactly is, yes. like, <laughs> if you think about the slave rebellions i mean that haiti i mean the haitian they actually win they're the only successful slave yes. rebellion in the whole of human history they actually overturn which is unimaginable right um and if you think about the biggest black organization ever existed the universal negro improvement association or the garvey movement mm -hmm. in the 1920 and five million members in like 50 countries i mean wow and that's a, not even really telephone forget Social yeah. media, <laughs> yes. right? Um, and part of the reason is because, and this is where it comes to the complicity. What's happened now is the systems opened up a little bit, so that kind of all of us are kind of in it now. Like in the Garvey times or in the, on the plantation, if you went around saying, "Look, we need revolution. We need to get out of here," everybody's like, "Of course." Like we know, we understand. But mm. now it's opened up enough that we're starting to believe there's progress we to be had. We did we it, Joe. Clean, we made we it. Did yeah, it Joe. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're trying to go around and say it's a revolution, everybody's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm all right, right? And and that's the problem. I think that's, so the more technology we have, the worse that gets, actually. So even though it's, it should be easier to have the kind of movements we need, it's actually harder because of the conditions. And is it also possible that it's um, it's easier to intercept? 
yeah. Because, I mean, because you know, yeah. I, we, we look at, you know, movements like the Black Panther movement and, you know, other movements and we see how governmental um, forces were able to kind of infiltrate and make, you know, ruin these things and assassinate people and all sorts. And um, I just wonder if, yeah, further back in terms of uh, chronological order, further back, it was just harder to infiltrate because yeah, yeah, you didn't yeah. you didn't know where people were. No, totally. I mean, Cointel Quint- program, counterintelligence program um, that the FBI had, where they were writing letters between each other and their mm. um, agent provocateurs in, in organizations. I mean, could you imagine what they're doing there? I can't even. I can't even imagine. It's but, all them Twitter pages <laughs> that will suddenly <laughs> message me and be like, "I'm a black person, and I think you're a stupid <laughs> monkey." And I'm like, "Rob, what?" <laughs> yeah. it's, no, it's by the level of the surveillance they have. They know exactly what we're doing at all times. Like, I, it, it would. It is. Again, not impossible, but very difficult to imagine uh, those movements emerging there because of the, and especially with the war on terror and all that excuses, etc. Um, mm. It is, it is, it is frightening the level to which uh, we have been surveilled. Yeah, and um, you talk about Britain here, and you mention that when um, research was done, looking at the forty-seven thousand recipients of payments that should have really been reparations, but it wasn't reparations to the actual enslaved; it was to the slave owners. Yeah, yeah we we see that you know modern-day politicians um, like the Prime Minister David Cameron and his wife—they're both beneficiaries um, of this money. And so when we look at wealth the distribution of said wealth you can't it's inextricably linked to slavery so can what can be done from there um well i mean i think one is having a proper conversation about slavery so when we talk about slavery this this term modern day slavery that's not related that's human mm-hmm. trafficking it's bad it's terrible we should get rid of yeah. it but it has no relationship to the transatlantic slave trade the legacy of the transatlantic slave trade is the wealth that the West took from it, and the poverty that currently exists. So places, my family is Caribbean, it's very clear, very clear if you go to Jamaica, that there's a lot of poverty because of slavery. And it's very clear here there's a lot of wealth, right? So there's a very mm-hmm. clear imbalance. And as you say, the biggest payment the government ever made to bail out any industry was when the government bailed out the slave, the slave, the slave owners in 1833. Uh, as the payment so large that they took a loan from the Bank of England that we only just paid off in 2015, which means wow. that all of us, me included, my grandmother came <laughs> from the Caribbean. Her grandmother was probably his daughter of an enslaved. We paid off slaveholder reparations. I mean, imagine just wow. psychosis, right? There's no really worth it. And they so, tweeted yeah. it. <laughs> and, they, and we only know. And that's a, they only know because they were like celebrating it. <laughs> like, yeah. Aren't you happy your tax money went to end in slavery? No. No, 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 really. no, not that way. No, yeah. no. <laughs> so, no. So, so really, there needs to be. It's an. This is fundamentally an economic issue that can be solved relatively straightforwardly by reparations. Right? There's a debt. Yeah. There's a debt that's owed. So pay the debt. So, uh, I, uh, yeah. You say um, my A levels teachers um, uh, and the textbooks of um, offhand dismissal of transatlantic slave trade, uh, slave, slavery as a factor in the Industrial Revolution is a direct result of academic work. It is the same source which allows us to ignore massive global inequality today, since we believe the West deserves its riches and conveniently ignore the reality of oppression that produces them. And this is why I think that it is important that pe- uh, people like yourself are present and visible within academia because history is literally being rewritten all of the time to kind of be like, was it David Sarkey or whatever his name is, 
um, that was like, oh, well, it couldn't be genocide because why are there still so many Blacks? And you talk about genocide in the book as well as to how the um, term was coined and thus why people think that it doesn't apply to slavery because it wasn't to kill us all off. Yeah, if you're not going to kill everybody, then it couldn't possibly be a genocide. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> There's still five of them, guys. There's still five yeah, exactly. of them. Guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't get them all. <laughs> it's what, 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 I, what I actually in writing the book realized was that even the idea that genocide, that mass killing of killing of millions of tens of thousands of people, was only even a concept after the Holocaust. So it's only yes. the Holocaust that even makes this a concept, even though. Yeah. Genocide was a practice, and like one of the fan, was the foundational practice actually of the West in the Americas, the largest genocide in human history, where they killed like ninety eight percent of the population. Yes. Um, and then slavery is clearly a genocide. We look at the numbers of people who are killed, and then um, places like the Congo, places like where Belt, where Leopold kills ten million people. Ooh, so, for rubber. But, I mean, yeah, for, just to, to get to get money, right? Um, and none of these things is rose to the level where Europeans thought they needed to have a word for it. It mm -hmm. was just standard practice, <laughs> it's all right. And yeah. black and brown people, we kill them, kill them by the second, don't matter. It's only when you have a similar process brought into Europe and people who we consider white, right? uh, yeah. Jewish people, that now it becomes an issue. We go, oh, we've, got, we've got to have a term. And then they define it in a term, which doesn't include most of them. Everybody else is like, <laughs> Everybody you, else. No, no. No. <laughs> This is a new thing. Look at this new, this new, this new experience, yeah. even though Look, they've been doing this, that kind of levels of murder at scale of death. And actually, if you look at the, the argument, the idea behind the Holocaust, racial science, that comes from colonialism, comes from racism. You look at the practice, concentration camps, they were practicing then where? Namibia, in the colonies, Namibia, yeah. in Namibia. Yeah. And there's a genocide in Namibia, actually, by the Germans, which precedes the Holocaust. Yes. But, so we've actually managed to even the term genocide, we've managed to whitewash that. Yeah. To tell you that all you need to know about it. Um, and and how <laughs> and how our um, black bodies literally the black person's physical bodies have been the sites of innovation for atrocities as well as just everything else you can whether you're looking at medicines whether you're looking at you know all these you know other atrocities like we are testing sites in Africa as a continent have been a testing site as well and then everybody else you know taken out and shipped out and to be um dehumanized there as well. You mentioned here that the re reducing the impact of slavery to the profits of individual voyages is a fallacy, but so too is limiting the contribution of the slave trade only to its profit margin. Slaving voyages required a whole range of other industries to carry on the horrendous trade. Ships needed to be built and maintained, meaning a boom in the timber and shipbuilding trades. The ports involved also needed to develop and these became focal points for commerce, labor and population. Um, I thought, what a word, and this is what I was talking about when we look at the unraveling of everything. So somebody might turn around and be like, well, my family wasn't directly um, involved in slavery. We didn't, you know, we weren't selling sugar. We weren't selling actual people, but did they build chips? Did they build chips? You know, were they providing timber? Because so many people were complicit whether they realized it or not. And that is where your industrial revolution, that is where your boom happened. Yeah. Well, it literally um, can't happen. I mean, I think, think about sugar and cotton are the two commodities which basically start the Industrial Revolution. Yes. They don't grow up north. They're not in, they're not in the UK, right? Those are slave-produced goods. Yes. Even in places like, this is a uh, place like Manchester, which we don't, we wouldn't associate with uh, slavery. It's not a port, etc. Manchester only becomes a city for, for cotton manufacturer because they put a canal from Liverpool 
uh, where they bring in all the slave produced cotton and they yeah. put this canal to Manchester and that's what brings all this, the, the factories, all the mills, et cetera, et cetera. It's all linked, it's all connected. No, no wow. one part of this country is not connected to slavery. And when I, cause I went to uni in Liverpool for my bachelor's and um, you see it everywhere. Like I, you just look up and you see it everywhere. You know, as you're traveling down Albert docks and I know that there are like tours that are done that will um, inform people of this. But as you know, me just as a student that happened to end up there I would, I would look and I think that that's what really kind of piqued my interest in the transatlantic slave trade and in learning so much more about history because I would look around and be like, there are so many people that contributed to this city that are no longer here, what happened? you know and where are they where where are their stories so the fact that we have the slavery museum or one of the slavery museums there i think is rather telling but whenever i'd go i would just see um students walking around and laughing and that would really really piss me off um and you say here that atlantic system represents the dawn of the west the founding logic based on the inter um, interdependent exploitation of the rest of the world by those of european descent columbus an italian sailing under the banner of the spanish is the perfect symbol because his voyages represent the beginning of the new system of global conquest that came out of europe and um that struck me because it's we talk about you know oh, look at these countries in Africa and how they're struggling. And, you know, they should just, you know, essentially pull themselves up by the bootstraps and get on with it. But you also mentioned the military bases that the US have within these African countries and what that means, because did colonialism then therefore ever end? No, I mean, this is the debate <laughs> the book is that colonialism is still very well in place and you can see it really clearly in the econ economies of Africa. I mean, Africa is a perfect place to look at where, you know, because slavery is a kind of effect that just totally depletes the continent and impoverishes the continent, allows Europeans to come in. Because remember, when Europeans went to Africa, they were not more advanced, they were behind. They could not conquer and colonize Africa. It wasn't, wasn't possible. It's yeah. really because the slavery destroys the continent so much. So then they're able to come in and, and to directly colonize, which is why I was, I was surprised by this. Most countries in Africa, it's less than 100 years they have direct colonial experience because it's a relatively short period of time and in that period of time they're rinsing out all the resources they're taking all the commodities etc and then they leave and say oh we'll have your own country carry on but you've got this is what walter rodney calls underdevelopment there's no schools there's no roads there's no hospitals there's nothing there's there's when britain for example left um, nigeria or left ghana yeah. there was no possibility that, that those countries could succeed because they didn't yeah. have any infrastructure their whole infrastructure is just taking things out and so mm. the companies are able to manage and maintain the same relationships, economic relationships. And I've, the, one of them I use in the book is Cadbury's. Yes, yes, yes. Basically, yeah. most people in Ghana, if you're a Ghanaian cocoa farmer, you will live in exactly the same way you lived 100 years ago. Nothing wow. changed. <laughs> nothing has changed. Like nothing has changed. And so you've maintained all of the economic exploitation, and then it just pretends it looks better because you've got you know black leadership, you can have a vote. But the economy, the economics of Africa are completely controlled by Europe, and now increasingly America and China. So then when we, um, so, when, so when we look at that then, and um, the fact that, like you say, we now have these black faces who are in government and, you're, and we're doing these things, and but then I'm thinking about this country as well, and I know that you've talked on it before about representation and how we shouldn't just want to see black and brown faces every freaking place because it means nothing if you're still upholding, you know, these systems. Um, when we look at the for instance, the US elections, and everyone's now so excited because, they, you know, Trump, Trump's gone, woohoo, woohoo. 
I still wonder about the fact that you've put very real things in this book about the fact that but the US continues to still be an empirical force and, and, and its empire is not going anywhere. So do I care that it's a, a black face that's representing that? Should it do? I mean, that should have been the message from Obama and Trump. It's just difference with style, really. I mean, it's the same thing. The outcomes are exactly the same. Uh, yeah. but Trump, Trump's like what Malcolm X calls the Southern Wolf, like the bloody jawed wolf who you know is yeah. a racist. He's in your face, tells you the truth. Whereas you have the the Northern fucks, the liberal who smiles, yeah. bears their teeth in a smile. Biden's awful. I mean, I don't even know. To say Joe Biden is terrible. His record <laughs> on race is terrible. They basically yes. they basically picked him because he was a white man, and they figured we have to play it safe. So they, yes. Trump won't win again, right? And that's what Kamala Harris look. You can't. There's so many people now doing this where all of a sudden they want to be about race. They want to be about the people. You yeah. got a track. You got a track record, and the track record is frankly appalling. So yeah. I don't know why you would expect anything. Why you expect anything from her just because she's black? That's that's it's it's. Funny because I was getting accused of identity politics, but that's like the ba- most basic identity politics. Yes, like because someone looks like you, they're going to have to be on your side. There is zero <laughs> evidence that that is the case. And now, yeah. all, historic, all historically, because remember, colonialism was managed primarily by black and brown people in Africa, yeah, and in, yeah. in Asia, etc. So this isn't a new thing. We've always had um, what's the polite word? Uncle Tubbs. That's, the- <laughs> <laughs> that's the polite word. Yes, of course. <laughs> But no, I, um, you know, I I could talk with you forever, but I just want everyone to honestly go and read this book. I've never read a book so fast in my life. I was up and I had like my phone torch and I've got this little head, um, this thing that I wear on my my neck that gives me some light as well so I can read. And I've never read anything so fast before because it's just so full of information. And I've just, I was highlighting like um, just a a mad person or a person possessed. Um, so I, I just greatly, really, uh, greatly appreciate the work that you put in here and the fact that this is part of your legacy, that you are helping us to connect the dots, mm-hmm. um, because I think that then it allows us to be honest in a way with ourselves um, as we look at the society around us, because by reading this, it gave me more um, kind of grounding when I talk about the fact that I don't understand why we have to choose between the lesser of two evils every time there's an election it's like we know your options are terrible but you've got to choose one right and this is what we saw with the US elections like yeah we know that these people have a questionable track record but do you want Trump and it's like but why are those the only options yeah. and maybe that will always be the case when we look at how America for instance was constructed but we also look at how Britain contributed to that and what Britain overall has contributed um, or inflicted on the whole world. Maybe this, <laughs> this will always be the case. But in terms of when you think about legacy, when you think about knowledge that you pass on, and I know that you know, you've know you got children as well, um, what are the main things that you're kind of looking for them to take forward, I guess, in the next three years? Oh, uh, well, I mean, I think partly I'd always say is that my work is, I just grew up with this, so like this is just what I know is a complete. I, the, I was born in black power activism, so that's how yes. I was raised. So, um, in many ways, I'm just trying to explain stuff which we should all know, but we don't. Yes, right? so, yes, you know, yes. Just in, in ways which are hopefully relatable. Um, the key thing would be, and kind of the purpose of the book, because the book is like the end of the book. They say, "Could you be more positive?" And I was like, "No." <laughs> Do I, have to? I felt it. I felt it. I feel like we're kindred spirits because I read the end and you were like, 
well, I guess you need a, a good note. But even then you were like, look, if you've read this far and you think that we're going to solve this with friendship, you've, you've missed the point. <laughs> so I think that the last argument of the book is, uh, if we don't fix it, the whole world's going to end anyway. So like, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> but, but the, it's, the, it's, this, the idea that, look, the argument I'm making is you cannot get rid of racism from this system. And that does not mean you cannot do anything. That does not, that's not pessimistic at all. It's yeah. just saying we have to do something else. Like there are other yeah. things that we can do. And in many ways, this book is a prequel to Back to Black, which I published in 2018, which is yes. all about what is Black Revolution? What does that look like? It's much more the positive book, right? Mm -hmm. But this is the, I, it was very clear from talking about that book that we just actually, people didn't understand, like just the system, how embedded it is, how ingrained yeah. it is. Um, and so that's that's the message, really. And when I'm thinking about my kids, it is, you know, what are your goals? Your goals should be build the alternative. So we started the Harambe Organization of Black Unity, and we have a mm -hmm. website called Make It Plain, um, where we're saying, well, let's do our own education. Let's let's bring uh, black people together. Let's have our different publishing platforms. Look, I, honestly, in five years' time, I would love to say I can leave the uni and go work full time in the organization because mm -hmm. that's the stuff that we should be building. We cannot rely on these institutions and this society. We have to be building something else. That's really the message from the book. Thank you so much. I I'm ah, oh, I have guests on the show, but I was I can't tell you the way that I was looking so so looking forward to this. And like I'm not there. It's no I'm not gassing up the thing. Like I was <laughs> on the website. Like I'm signing up for my MA instantly. I saw it, I was like, May 21st, okay, I'm there. Because I, um, you know, I was, uh, what was I, I was considering doing post-colonial studies and I've talked about it on a podcast loads that I thought that my MA was going to be in post-colonial studies. And then I kind of just put it to the side because I was just like, I, I want to be taught by somebody that has sense and that I feel that <laughs> understands <laughs> or ha is, is invested in this the way that I feel that I'm invested in this. And then, you know, I started reading more about your work and, and then I read this book and I was just like, yeah, it looks like, I'm going to I'm going back to school. <laughs> Come join here. The message is, is new. So it starts first in September. It's the first one, the first time I run it. Um, yeah. we're excited to do it as well. So yeah, feel free. Actually, it's an experiment. Can we can we do the radical stuff in the uni? I think the undergraduate course is like four years old now, and it's been yeah. really good with the students because they're just it's a completely different, it's very different. And I think we they've done really well in the course. And a lot of it is just because it's interested and they're engaged yeah. in it and they're part of it and they're and they're kind of making these real world connections. So yeah, no, everybody's welcome to the course. Yeah, well, you heard it here, guys. You've heard me speaking now with Dr. Kane Day Andrews. You've heard it. Like, this is what I am planning to do. Um, so if you see me doing my Zoom lectures, <laughs> <laughs> fingers crossed I get in. Oh, I'm we'll doing my honored. Zoom lectures, yeah. you know, you know what I'm doing. <laughs> It'd be honor, honor to have you on the course. <laughs> No, but thank you so, so much. It's been absolutely honored to speak with you. And um, I'm letting everybody know, like this, this is that book. This is, there are so many, there are um, books that are out right now, but these are one of the very few that I'm so excited about because I know how it's enriched me since I've read it. And I pray that it does the same for so many people. And I just want to say a massive thank you for all that you do and, you know, giving us the knowledge that you've absorbed um, so that we can, to me, that's what's radical, sharing the knowledge and sharing it in a way that's accessible and allows us to move forward and hopefully create something that's different to this. Thank you. Hopefully, revolution is possible. So. Yes. See, that was optimistic. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, so that's it. Thank you. 
So I hope you enjoyed that um, interview with uh, Kane Andrews. You can see how enamoured I was by just the, the brilliance of his writing, the brilliance of his research. I really got my life. And then you kind of go to see just how um, imperialism, colonialism hasn't, it hasn't gone anywhere. Absolutely nowhere. Everything is built upon it. Absolutely everything is built upon it. So you can't, you can't escape it. So when we talk about dismantle da, 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 and decolonize, da, 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 what are we saying? What are we saying? Because it means like stripping absolutely everything away and starting anew. So anyway, go and get the book. Enjoy yourself because I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I know that you will too. So now let's get on to So You Mad. Um, this week on So You Mad, we wanted to start with the Ooh. Columbia University professor who claims, I do heroin regularly for work and life balance. <laughs> oh, let's get into this one, please. I've been dying. I've been gagging. <laughs> Dr. Carl Hart is a brilliant Columbia University professor of psychology and neuroscience who chairs the psych department at the prestigious university and appears in Netflix's documentary on the history of crack cocaine's rise in the 1980s. He's also a self professed heroin user. Hart is very open and honest about his fondness for heroin, not only as a subject of study, but also as a substance that he uses. The 54-year-old um, married father of three openly admits to snorting small amounts of heroin for as many as 10 days in <sighs> a row. <laughs> in his new book, Drug Use for Grown-Ups, Chasing Liberty in the Land of Fear, he discusses the mild withdrawal symptoms he experienced 12 to 16 hours after the last dose. Mm. He says, there aren't many things in life that I enjoy more than a few lines by the fireplace at the end of the day, he wrote. Hart described that snorting heroin left him feeling refreshed and prepared to face another day. Hart equated his drug use with alcohol use, saying it's as rational as my alcohol use, like vacation, sex and the arts. Heroin is one of the tools that I use to maintain my work-life balance. The professor who studies the effects of psychoactive drugs on humans says he's open about his drug use because he wants to advocate for decriminalizing possession of recreational drugs. His publishers believe um, Hart's controversial approach and his book make the case that the demonization of drug use, not drugs themselves, has been a tremendous scourge um, on America, not least in reinforcing this country's enduring structural racism. And whew, that seems like a point. Uh, sadly, I just hate that he's put that point there and then said, oh, by the way, I take heroin. <laughs> it's just like, I, I mean, listen to it. I'm just thinking, look, how difficult can your life be where heroin gives you a balance? <laughs> like, how bad can it get? But isn't everything about moderation? Not with heroin. Okay, okay, I'm glad that you're saying that now because I just want to put a quick pause there. We both watch, well, you've, uh, I feel like the whole world forced me to watch Snowfall. Yes. It took me a while to get into it, but I've finally got I'm into so it. I'm so glad you got into finally it. Finally got into it, and I love the show. Franklin, oh, damn Idris. Amazing. And like, well, even for me, my actual favourite is Leon. Just yeah, Leon is brilliant. The actor, yeah, everything, yeah. just fuck, amazing, literally, but yeah. damn Idris kills it. Yeah. Anyways, what that show demonstrates to you is just how addictive i know crack cocaine is different to heroin yeah, but yeah. it's just they're, they're both just as strong yeah just how addictive crack cocaine can be like seeing mel change from that this sweet girl yeah. to this aggressive and violent 
co- um, crack cocaine addict is 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 terrible. It's sad. So my thing is that like no, not not everything is about moderation. I mean, I get the point you're trying to make. Um, but not everything is about moderation. Certain things you just need to stay clear from. You cannot, like, clearly his heroin is working for him because he's able to even make sense in, of, <laughs> of his words. He hasn't, he hasn't scrambled his brain. So maybe that's working for you. But, you know, if you're feeling with, with um, withdrawal symptoms 12 hours after your first hit, my G, please stop. <laughs> stop. But how is that any different to like cannabis or, like he says, alcohol? Anything, any substance you use, if you do not use, if you are using that substance to fill a void, for instance, yeah, anything can be destructive, right? I've never tried heroin. I have no plans ever to try it. No, in my life. But I wonder is that because of how it's been um, presented to me? Do you, are you, are you, <laughs> I, I, I don't even know how because to answer alcohol, that question because alcohol was presented to me as like fun you know every drink responsibly yeah drink responsibly everything you watch is like oh my god starch on the rocks martini dry it a dry you know whatever whatever uh, alcohol, can I get a can I, right yeah. every, can I have a car smell sex <laughs> on the beach like Alcohol has been presented in such a way that it's glamorous. They've yes. glamorized it. Alcohol has got great PR. Heroin does not have great PR. And for reasons, though, <laughs> this is what I'm saying. I don't even necessarily feel like you're fighting for heroin, but I get the point. But, like, I feel like these these are for reasons. I mean, my thing is this. Like, there's people that smoke weed. There's people that smoke weed, and you won't even... You, would, you won't even be able to tell. Same as heroin. No, 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 no sorry, sorry. Because... Fair enough, this guy's making sense in his article. I'm telling you, if I see him, I'll be able to tell he's a heroin user. <laughs> heroin users, you guys don't go, you can't go under the radar. Sorry. We, but we, he's, we'll he says he sniffs the heroin. It doesn't like inject Okay, that's it. even interesting then, because actually, I didn't know you could sniff heroin. I didn't. I, but then again, it's our lack of education about what you can do with but heroin. But actually, no, because actually, if you're telling me, <laughs> if you're telling me that you're sniffing heroin... I actually think it's probably worse than injecting. And, that's, and I'm saying that because all you hear is people injecting it. So if you actually discovered a new way to snort it, it's probably worse or if not just as bad as you injecting it. But then all the time we say that, like these people go and they do years and years of research and they are well versed at what they're talking about. Like this is a big man, like this is a big man professor. who black and that, professor. A, a big man, black professor who <sighs> has been doing what he's doing. So clearly he's done the research to be like, yeah, you can... Like you go to... Um, the d- hospital and they give you morphine yeah but they give you a specific dosage of morphine exactly and he's taking a specific dosage of heroin regularly <laughs> <laughs> regularly <laughs> habitually look okay th- this is okay let me let me let me make it personal now babysitter your babysitter tells you now <laughs> yeah oh, there we go now devil's advocate <laughs> there we go your babysitter says oh you're interviewing babysitters now and you're going to be in that stage soon <laughs> Yeah. yeah so hi um so yeah just tell me a bit about yourself yeah i'm not, i've been a babysitter for three years mm-hmm. i do like to take heroin every now and then <laughs> okay. just to kind of just to kind of keep that balance because you know sometimes the children can get really stressful <laughs> yeah. um i never take it in front of them i always go to the bathroom to go and take it okay. um and i don't inject oh my god i'll never inject i only snort heroin yeah. so um yeah i want you to know if, if 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 that's okay with you if i can start anytime soon you know what I no longer need. <laughs> I know, I'm thinking, look at my, I no longer need it. That is your answer. <laughs> there is your answer. 
there is your answer because I've said it I just don't know my, look I, sometimes my life can be tough and we even said last year yeah. was terrible all of this like that Like, but nothing has ever happened where I've thought to myself do you know what I'm going to take some heroin <laughs> But maybe because you just don't have access to it in that way. No, I I could be in a room full of heroin. There's not. It's not going to happen. And look, I don't even feel like the nose that I have is set up to even Stop. snort anything. No, 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 no. Snorting what? No. What? Nah. Sorry. No, I. You know, I. I it's one of those things that I'm willing to be. Um, I'm willing to be educated about it. Like maybe, oh, definitely. maybe, maybe he knows something that we don't know in it. But I'm, I, I read oh, that. Oh, I'm fine being in. No, I'm fine being in the, in, <laughs> in the, the dark. In the dark. <laughs> I'm fine being in the dark on that. Sorry, because. But you know, you take it for a work-life balance, boy. What balance are you achieving? Okay, this is the thing, right? Because he's talking about what what he's he's talk, he's talking about the withdrawal symptoms. Yes, and that's a major major deal for me because. All right, cool. Even with the, you know, the culture that we have in the, in the UK, which is a drink all the time, yeah. people can usually wait till Friday to get their first drink out of the week. Can they? I mean, some of them, they're, they're, they're having um, a glass in the evening. They do wine Wednesdays. Yeah, wine Wednesdays. They're a glass in the... You know, some of them are literally waiting for the time. It has to be past a certain time in the day before they can start drinking. Like, people... The... the, the Culture around alcohol isn't as healthy as people try to make out. Like, I agree. It's, it's a major coping mechanism for so many people. And again, I, I honestly believe it's down to PR. And I think that if... And also, the reason I say that is because heroin, we don't really hear of, like, rich, rich people, you know, doing it in the same way. Like, that's why people don't come for cocaine that hard, you know? Like, they don't come for cocaine that hard because... Because you could function on that. Right, but then rich white people like cocaine, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas crack, crack was seen to be a black thing, for instance. So, so... Black people create crack. Right, so they're they're not... So that's not going to be... Um, romanticize that, uh-huh. that that's for working class you know trash people. people yeah, yeah that's how they see it and specifically black people so they see it that way heroin i think it's similar that it's a working class issue not to i'm not not necessarily saying racial but it's, they see it as a working class thing it's not something that they see themselves as doing that that are proper bougie so they haven't bothered with the pr of it um so they haven't tried to find a way to kind of say this is how much you should take and this is because alcohol they'll tell you don't take more than two units or this and that like they'll they'll tell you what the limits are mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but they don't do that around um other things that they don't see as part of like their thing there's somewhere i'm going with it i'll find where it is but I mean, basically i, I, I do I think, get what you mean yeah. in essence like you know there is there's 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 classism within anything and i yeah. guess we're experiencing that in drugs however i look at the effects I look at the look. I look at the fact. I look at the stats as well. I look at the fact that pretty much nobody has ever died from smoking weed. So that's why this, <laughs> that's why this com, that's why it hasn't weed hasn't ever come into the conversation. Mm-hmm. People have maybe yes, they died from alcohol poisoning, hence yeah. the drink responsibly. Yeah, people die from it, taking heroin. People alcohol, die from taking alcohol, crack cocaine. Yeah, in but, fact, actually, when you as soon as you take that first rock, yeah. your life expectancy reduces by twenty five percent straight away. Mm. Don't do crack. Don't do heroin. Yeah, don't. I mean, like, okay, cool, fair enough. Okay, you break your arm and they give you heroin in the hospital. That's the only time I'm taking that heroin. (laughs) (laughs) Morphine. Morphine, sorry. (laughs) Why they giving you heroin? heroin? I guess this guy would love it. So my thing is that, okay, right, this guy takes heroin regularly now. He does break his arm now one day. Morphine's not going to (laughs) work. Morphine's not going to work. 
Because your body can your body can take something a lot more intense than that. Well, we don't know how much he's having. What did he say? He has like ten lines. I, I think I read somewhere. Oh, Maybe I got it wrong. Good. Maybe I read it wrong. I just think that he's managing it in a way that he's obviously still being able to be coherent. See you in 10 years. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Maybe that's what yeah. we need to do. We need see to check in back in years, yeah. on Dr. Carhartt and see how he's doing yeah. with this stuff. See, but you in, see you in 10 years. I just, I really thought that that was like really interesting. <laughs> I thought, what? But I was okay. just more upset that it was from a black professor. I was like, oh, please. But of course it's going to be because it's black people that are linked to it and stuff or, you know, working class black people. So um, I guess, and white people, but I guess that then seeing a professor talking about it, I think it just it just changes the conversation somewhat. And I think that that needs to happen. No, I agree. I think we should, people need to start having more sensible conversations around around it, drugs, not, yeah, not sensible conversations around making it a, a balanced thing. Like, oh yeah, have this because it will make you feel this way before Definitely, you go to work. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. I think it's like, yeah, I I I wish him all the best. I hope you know, <laughs> if it works for him, I, I hope it continues to work for him. But not me. Never. God forbid. Um, and then Meghan and Harry. We were talking about Ooh. Meghan and Harry. Do you know that the Queen wants to do some kind of address on the day that their Oprah interview should be coming out? I thought she did this address, and the address was to tell people to take the vaccine. Was it? No, I oh, maybe, well, maybe no. I saw, maybe I saw something wrong, but I remember seeing something that was just like on the day that they're going to do their Oprah interview, or that it's going to air or something. That she's also going to do an address on the same day. She earlier. needs to talk about her son as a paedophile. <laughs> That's what we're waiting for. We need to. We need you to talk about that. I think the whole Prince. Oh, sorry, Prince Harry, yeah. I was going to say Prince. Yeah. The whole Prince Harry and Meghan Markle thing. Honestly, I've, I've I've really loved keeping up with the story because Meghan Markle has shown you guys that don't ever... Don't ever. Don't ever in your life talk my name. Talk, don't ever in your life talk my son. Don't ever in your life talk my dad. Yeah. You guys, were, you guys got brave. You got brave. You were bold. You were disrespectful. You were yeah. racist. So she showed you. Yeah. She put... When, when she uh, she sued all of their clerks oh, and I love it. I loved the to biggest see it. middle finger yeah. ever, and I love that she doesn't even now she doesn't even give anybody anything. She was so they did the uh, for those who don't know, Prince Harry did the interview uh, with James Corden. Yeah, he's a comedian if you want to call him that. I actually like James Corden. Mm, yeah, okay. I prefer Jimmy. Is it Jimmy Carter? Eight out of ten cats. Yeah, Jimmy Carr. I yeah, like Jimmy I like, Carr I, I more. Jimmy, I um, but I, Jimmy I, but I do understand why they chose James Corden because he's kind of broken the American sphere. Oh, he's done and, really well. But, but he's British yes. still. So I think that the PR team did really well with that, that they didn't want... If he had gone to... If Harry had gone to go and do that interview with a white American kind of um, interviewer, it would have been like, oh, look at him leaving the country, not bothering with us, doesn't give a shit anymore. But the fact that it was James Corden that you lot love so much... And it just happens to, to be, be successful in America. in America right now. You can't chat. I love that you said that because it was very, it was, it was very strategic. specific, yeah. very strategic as well. And I think what they wanted, they didn't want to make the interview too serious. Yes, yes. So James Corden was perfect for the job. Yeah. And um, Prince Harry is just speaking quite candidly, like we were saying, just like he's just speaking quite candidly on the interview, and he's saying, "Look, I would rather the Crown than the British press, Good. because the Crown at least is loosely based on real events, yeah. and it talks about the pressures that you deal with as a royal. Yeah. But the British press." You're 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 digging shit up and passing it as facts. Yes. Like all of you guys can suck your mums. I thought it was so. It's literally the treatment of Meghan and Harry has been abysmal. And the fact that the 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 
royal family have kind of like stood back and watched it happen. And I'm saying stood back and I'm lying because they have been the ones, it looks like feeding all of the things to the press yes. for it to be this way. Yes. And like, how can you have a whole ass brother? And this is why your hairline's going the way that it's going, mm-hmm. and William, mm-hmm. because how can you have a whole ass brother that's actually wanting to see your downfall as well? Like you are next in line, well, you know, very close in line for the throne. Why are you pressed? Why are you pressed about what I'm doing? Exactly. Harry's freaking six in line to the throne. Like Harry's not going to see the throne. He's not. He's not. And so then why are you pressed? That's my point. Like why? So why must you? But it's again, it's because like they've always said, even shown in the crown, when we're getting too famous for you, man, you start to look irrelevant. Yes. And that's pretty much what it is. And actually, when you watch the interview, it makes William's silence look so... Sinister. Yes, yeah. in a way. The perfect yeah. word. Yeah. It looks terrible. And, and Kate's as well. well she, her and her non-existent top lip she can move. <laughs> They've literally just made her an incubator. <laughs> yes. And she's just, just keep she's giving just us there. all the airs. That's all you need to do. Just keep producing airs. And that's all. Meanwhile, you're getting disrespected and w- Willie's wandering Willie everywhere. <laughs> you don't, you don't, you don't, you're not concerned. Stay all there. these things they don't want to talk about, but Meghan and Harry, they want to... And if you Andrew look, is there. Andrew is literally oh my right God. there. The man is literally right there. Where allegedly, 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 I've said all of the allegedly's, yeah, before you try to chat shit. Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. But Andrew is right fucking there. But you don't want to chat on him. His time will come. His time will come. I think what Meghan and Harry have done without knowing, or maybe they didn't know, but they've opened the kind of worms. Because now, yeah. actually, people are actually questioning the importance of the why do we? Why, why do we need a monarchy? Why, why do we need you guys? As, 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 a literal, as a literal representation of the imperialist presence of Britain around the world. That is literally what you represent. That crown that you wear on your crusty head all of the time. Everything was stolen. Literally everything was stolen. And when I read the... Um, what is it in the 70s the queen was asking to have a look at the um, legislation before it was passed to see how it would affect her and there were some things that she didn't want like um for her to have to disclose her the amount of wealth that she had yep she took that out she took that out and so talk to me about separations of powers to, to you know the separation of powers the separation of church and state that is no longer there is no se- separation of church state monarchy there's nothing but for her to be able to do that that is her directly violating that but we've always known that it was all convoluted anyway but the fact that we know that or because she just doesn't want us to know that yeah you are what like the biggest landowner if not one of the biggest landowners in the uk but we 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 shouldn't be talking about that open your purse lizzie open your purse and pay reparations right now yes right now give back all of those diamonds, all of those jewelry, yes. all of that that crown, that kind of it, that's too heavy for your head. Diamonds Go are out. forever. Not for you. <laughs> Not for you. you. Give, Give it, back. it back. You know, <laughs> side note as well, I always think to myself, Queen, you're so old. What were you doing during the racist times? Like, doing the really, really racist times. But that's why I couldn't stomach the crown. I know that everybody says that it's juicy, it's fun. But just watching the recreation um, of, of the certain scenes where she's... Was it in Kenya? Wherever she was when she was like, I've come to speak with you savages and to yeah, talk with you. And I just thought, no, nah, I'm not watching this because I want to spark somebody. I yeah. don't want to watch this. Yeah. And so you're telling me that somebody that was referring to black people as savages just then, in whenever it was the fact that she she did that um, address. 2021. So it's now changed in 2021. She's nah, all right now. She's cool now. I don't I don't believe that. Because I, she's got a couple of corgis. Like, she's fine. That's why she... Nah, I don't believe that. I don't believe it. And Prince Philip, is it her husband? Yeah, that one. That They're saying that he's in hospital and he's hanging on by a threat. <laughs> oh, boy. I don't even want to... Let it go. I don't even want to say Let it go. <laughs> because I, I'll tell you this and I will stick to this theory. Prince Philip, we, we lost him five years ago. <laughs> Mate. 
whoever that they're wheeling out for us to see. That's not, <laughs> no, I actually, I actually believe it's him, but he's not there. <laughs> he's not <laughs> there. People have, everyone's like, oh, Prince Philip, oh, he's looking well, he's looking better. <laughs> what? He's not That's how you know this well. country lies. They lied when they lied when they tried to tell us that Pippa Middleton had a bum. <laughs> I was getting married and they were showing us the back. I was so that is when I knew that I was over this country because I was tweeting that. What are you guys looking at? What are you guys looking at? You're looking at a straight back. You're looking at a long back with buttons. I worked with this white boy and he was like, Oh no, Sadiq, don't you think she's got a big bum? Huh? I didn't speak to him after that day. I was like, You are look, you need you need to come to South East London. That's what you need to. In fact, just walk down the road in Brixton and talk about Big Bum. But do you know what it is? There's something insidious about it. Yeah. Because it literally, what you're basically telling me is that you don't see black women at, at all. all. At all. That's crazy. But also, like, that's when I knew that this country's mad because it's like the press told us that she had a bum. I think she even got deals for for underwear and all of these. They were like, get the Pippa Middleton bum. What's bum? What bum? What bum is there? What bum is there? But everybody was on it and it was all the rage and it was such a big hype. And I remember all them years looking at it and be like, this country's fucked. Like, every, this country is absolutely. Oh my that God. That was funny. So even Kylie Minogue had more back off. And even then, la, 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 la. La, 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 la. There wasn't much there Not either. Not much at all. So no, like when I saw that, I was like, you you lot can run anything. And actually being at the receiving end or being on the receiving end of it with things that happened after the woman's hour and stuff, you see how the press can move mad. Like yeah. they can have like a smidgen of information that's not even um, accurate or complete and they'll just run with it. Yes. And then when people look you up, that's what they're seeing. So I love that. Megan was like, first of all, let me leave your land. Let me leave your cursed land to go to another cursed land. But let me leave your land and just go across the pond and then I'm going to start firing shots from yes, over there. Go back, me. To, go back to LA, we'll just become celebs. And we'll just look, but then the thing is, like you say, like whether they realise it or not, but I think that they do, they know that the monarchy's a sinking ship. Oh, yes. And so while um, Lizzie's over here, um, Beth is taking away all these titles and saying they can't be, even the Invictus games that Harry actually came up with, I think that he's not even allowed to be the president or whatever of that, that he actually came up with to help soldiers. Um, it's like the games to help they do the games, but it's also sponsored to help the mental health of soldiers and whatever else. Mm-hmm. But he's not even allowed to be part of that anymore. And I just thought, you know what? Now you're being wild. But meanwhile, Andrew's got all of these titles, yeah? Andrew's still got every single one. Of, he hasn't been taken out of rotation. I, no? wouldn't, I wouldn't give a damn. I but they're going down. Give. They're going down. And, Har- and, and, and Harry and Meghan got out at the right time because come back in seven years, yeah, and see what's happened since there. Exactly seven years from yes. now. Watch how everything will be different. And these lot will be vying. Yes. They're, they're, they'll be vying for the attention of um, Harry and Meghan because they've set themselves up in such a way that they're not involved in that fuckery yes. anymore. And it's going to come a time where uh, us Brits, we are going to turn around and we're going to say, Queen, what are you doing? Can you get out? Can what you get you out? What are you actually doing? I love it when Ash was like, what should we do with the what should we do with Buckingham Palace when she moves out? I said, I want to see a multi-level um, uh, strip club. Yeah. I want to see let's housing. Let's put a cinema in there. Yeah, let's, I want to see, a, um, 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 you know, the outside should just be like a drive-through cinema. So we use the yes. complete, that, that complete so much front. space. Yeah, use the complete, and then we um, project the image onto the Buckingham Palace. Yeah. That'll be a drive-through cinema. And then inside, we'll have um, 
homes um, or housing for um, people experiencing homelessness like let them move into there Perfect. so everything will be used and it will be you know what we want to do with it but for her you to have all of them for. she doesn't need the palace no more don't you don't need, need no the palace, palace. Let, let everything come let, let, let everything, everything come down we don't, we've got the government we don't need no money and my whole thing is that if all you're going to be doing queen is <laughs> making a few TV television addresses every now and then you can fuck right off yeah because I do it for, I do it all the time on Instagram <laughs> nobody's giving me a crown right you know you so if, 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 if we're all going to address the public I've been addressing the public okay so let's talk about the real queen of the united kingdom all right so you, you, you can go you can go we've got it sorted lizzie you're no, all right I'm, I'm done with her the queen i'm done with you and i even fell off the crown as well it was getting a little bit i might go back on to go watch the diana I, I just struggle i really i really want to watch the diana one and i know people say that you can watch it without watching the rest but i like to have the full story yeah the full but, gist yeah but um yeah no it was just too much for me because i thought i can't support this shit i can't support this shit this is I, you're trying to humanize these people to me and i refuse because no i don't want it i don't want it but yeah anyway that's that's that shot. We've um, talked on that. Let's get to straw of the week, a.k.a. suck your mum. Um, so we're going to start with um, Zlatan, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. He's, oh, God. Um, he's a mess. I used to think that he was so cute back in the day, but now I just, the, the, the racism is just, oh, it's overwhelming. I can't even see it in the same way. I'm now gonna, he just looks like an eagle. I'm going to be honest with you before you jump right into that article. When I heard Zlatan and LeBron... I was thinking of the Nigerian artist. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he, that, that, yeah, that I, Cause I yeah. did not know this guy, a footballer. I did not know who he was, but I know that we are now currently having a debate as to who's more famous. Yes. Okay. So, yeah. But um, to me, it'll be LeBron anyway, but Zlatan is an incredible footballer. Well, he used to be anyway, as far like that's how I would see him before but now I can't I can't unsee all of the racist things that he's done and this isn't the first time that he's like talked a mess about um, a black athlete I remember when he was on the pitch with Lukaku and he said to Lukaku um, he was angry about something and he was just like oh go and focus on your voodoo or something like that Oh, I don't remember that one. I thought you were going to say this was the one where um, one of the black football players didn't want to play anymore because of the racist chance. And then the white team... The oh, white... no, that happens oh, so that often. Like... That happens so often. Oh, okay. It could be any time. <laughs> yeah, but, okay. um, yeah, so, yeah, he's um, yeah, he's just a mess. So they, I, I, I can't believe that he's born 3rd of October. That really pisses me off. Because <laughs> you're 5th. Yeah, I just, I don't want anything to do with him. Libras! Oh, God. And see, this is the thing. When you have ops in your side, star side, it's a, it's an actual mess. Did he tell people to stay away from neighbors? But... <laughs> <laughs> um, he's widely regarded as one of the best strikers of all time. Like, yeah, you can't take away, um, you know, all of his achievements from him. But okay, the fine. racism is like, if we're going to give him another um, um, accolade, it has to be top top racist yeah. because he doesn't want to. He doesn't ever seem to like stop with that. Like that's he's. He loves doing it, and I do, and I don't get it. It's it's absolutely wild. Can we read what he said? Shall I read yeah, it? Yeah, go on. Let me bring it up so we can really understand. So, basically, the headline is Zlatan believes LeBron should stay out of politics. So Zlatan said this about LeBron: He is phenomenal in what he's doing, but I don't like when people have some kind of status and they do politics. I play football because I'm the best in playing football. That is the first mistake people do when they become famous and they come in a certain status. Stay out of it. Just do what you're best at because it doesn't look good. Do you know it's reminiscent of when that guy said shut up and dribble? Yeah. But that's literally what it is. It's It's you as a white man. 
you as a white man, you're telling some, you're telling this and black man that, oh, just stay out of politics, stay out of these things. Like, what do you mean? In my blackness, it concerns me. In my blackness, no matter how rich I get, I can get fucked over at any time, at any point. Because I'm black. Right. But I should just stay out of it. Oh, this is the mistake. So he'd probably say the same thing about like Lewis Hamilton and, you know, um, what's her name? Um, Naomi Osaka. Uh, All of these people who were out here like using their platform to be like, this is wrong. This is how this we need to speak about this. He's looking at all of them like, why don't you just shut the fuck up? But the thing is, it doesn't affect you. So it's easy for you to be like, oh, allow it. But this isn't the first racist thing that you've done. And when you're talking about, oh, stay out of politics, what gets me about this is that one of the first pieces of um, case law that we um, I had to learn when I was um, studying law um, at uni is um, the Bosman ruling. And that was a footballer, you know, wanting, they wanted free movement. They wanted to be, be able to move between European clubs, right? That's political. That was a football player again. Well, I want to be able to move between different football clubs across Europe. Anything regard, to do with race? Regardless of country. Oh, oh, Right. But the reason I bring that up is that you're saying, just like off the bat, you're saying that let's stay um, out of politics. But if that football player had stayed out, it's political, the fact that they could not go and play anywhere right. that they wanted to play in any country. But the thing is, you had to involve yourself in the politics and it's because that football player did that that allows you now to be able to play in Milan you left Milan you went to go and play you um what did he play for uh he's he's been about the place that he to be able to earn all this money through all the moves and all but the you're a Swedish so. national you're a Swedish national right so you've been able to they say that he's played for Barcelona he's played for Milan he's played for Paris Saint-Germain he's played he's been all around the place you've been able to play in all of these places as a Swedish national you've been able to move around and play right if that ruling hasn't come in you would not have been able to play the way that you're playing in the way that with all of that freedom so you can't stay out of politics even if we're not talking about race you can't stay out of politics because we by design we are political beings as humans so yes. you, you won't be able to stay out of it but now let's add race into it mm-hmm. who the fuck are you to tell a black man who's speaking out about the social injustice that he sees around the world you're telling him to shut up right. so he should just die there and be silent i think for me what bothers me is the is the way he reduces it because obviously i know racism is part of politics yeah but the way he reduces it to just politics just politics like fam, it's like an intellectual LeBron- argument mm-hmm. as opposed to a lived experience right like lebron ain't out here talking about um i don't know why there's climate change we are which disproportionately affects black people and brown people anyway no matter what we can't even escape it no matter what you take we're still going to come back to the same thing and that's what i think is so wild about it but basically when you get get to a certain stage just enjoy your money play your sport and shut the fuck up that's what you're saying ignore the world Oh, okay the world that that is funding you right you need this world to be able to earn this much money that you're getting. I think it's terrible. And at the moment, when it's, yeah, at the moment he's playing for Milan. So you even playing for Milan, knowing how racist it is in Italy, you are well aware of the fact that they're dashing bananas at black players. You know all of that, yet you're saying that what those black players should just stay out of politics. They should just not just talk about it. Because when they talk about politics, what they're really saying is just don't say anything controversial. That's, yeah. Earn your money and just... Sh- don't say anything. So you can fuck yourself, Zlatan. Like, you absolute dickhead. You could go fuck yourself. Absolute prick. You could go suck your mother. Because how dare you? It's just the cheek, the audacity. Somebody should stay out of politics and not speak about those things because they get to a certain status. But you, at any status that you're at, you can always use your long neck and your long nose to be talking about black people. To talking say to, out of place. Right. Talk, t- telling Lukaku, oh, whatever, like something like, oh, shut up and focus on your voodoo or something and go and do your voodoo. That is racial. That mm-hmm. is racial. That is you trying to 
denigrate something that you actually know nothing about culturally but you've it's been demonized to you and so you're trying to use that as an insult so for again for that reason i hope that those if lukaku does have any um any of those ancestors that he can <laughs> that he can invoke that they come and they deal with you yep. and they drag that hair off your head yep. they drag it off that ponytail they drag it off your head it just it really shows that rich people live in a totally different world because i think to myself that look 2021 aren't rich celebs or just celebs aren't they learning from other celebrities mistakes right, right? so you would think that in 2021 Zlatan will see lebron talking out on racism and all of this and just keep Wow. I want to know if he posted the black square. I haven't Ooh, gone gone no. on his Instagram, but I would be I would be really. I think it's safe to assume they all did. Right, true. They all did, but some of them were very audacious. You know, they were like, "I'm just not posting anything. I'm, I'm not, not posting the black. Yeah, I'm yeah. not posting a black square. I'm not posting anything. I don't want to be involved." I saw a lot of that during um, all the F1 races because, to be honest, I haven't followed football for years. Arsenal had broken my heart way too many times for me to continue down that lane, and um, I just put it to the side and I started focusing on F1. At least that them times I'm winning. But watching how um, the Formula One kind of um, people dealt with um, George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter stuff, it was really uncomfortable to watch because you could see how they were so insulated from anything to do with what's happening in the rest of the world that they felt so awkward. And I've been thinking to myself, when we come to the new season, the new F1 season, which should start around March, um, I'm wondering, will Lewis still be taking a knee? Because now that but they've all said they're bored of it now right they? they all said oh taking a knee just isn't as effective anymore right so yeah. mm, don't want to yeah, that's else, what i'm really. yeah and that's what i'm thinking about like what will they do now when, when it's back they, they won't do nothing now what's going to happen is that we need another well not that we need another Flo- george floyd situation but another george floyd situation will happen inevitably just mm. the, the way america is and then it will just we will just keep on having these reminders but by then the world is already moving again the because everything was so shut down and locked down when all of this first happened that's why it had such an impact no, whereas now true. people are going to be able to escape it and say oh i just didn't see that on my feed i just didn't see that one. Oh, sorry i just didn't see that one this one every nobody could ignore it nah. so it, it it caught everybody's attention Very weird time that i i, I, I i'd like to read like a like a, a, a not read i would like to watch a documentary on that period in time yeah. was it june to like yeah it was it was it, it was incredible but some more tense. of it's coming back more of it's coming back and, and what's happening now and i've said it on this podcast before mark my words as you've done numerous times before why we've got this dip right we've got this lull people are still being killed by police don't get it twisted mm-hmm. but we're just not seeing it um, um you know uh, um kind of publicizing the media as much but what we're going to see now is we need to see all those celebrities who were doing it because it, well, some of them were just genuinely caught in a rush of it all and they suddenly felt empowered for the first time and they wanted to speak out and maybe that's kind of died down for them also help their publicity uh, right and but there's some of them who now realize how great it was for their publicity they okay. saw how how many um, newspapers magazines and everything that they got when they were doing all of this stuff and so when everything quietened down notice that they also quietened down mm-hmm. and they were doing other things they were hardly posting they weren't saying anything now everything's picking back up again suddenly it's like oh yeah 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 you i'm, I'm still on that stuff yeah, yeah i, I, forgotten, I, still, no, I no, haven't no. Forget, forgotten i still care but you know it tired me out a little bit mm-hmm. it's funny how that can tire you out for just posting for two months that's it. Posting for two months, wearing t-shirts, all of that tied you out. They'll post those stupid Instagram infographics. Right. Nelson Mandela, Martin Luther King, you lot love that. 
so they'll you've done all of that now it tired you out but imagine the people who don't have the money that you have who don't have the celebrity lifestyles that you have who have to live you know and have that kind of visceral experience of racism and anti-blackness all of the time. They don't get to tap out. They don't get to be t- um, tired and go and do other activities. So I'm just watching a lot of these celebs that were doing a lot of that thinking, don't worry, because we that was just a little smidgen. We were only getting a taster, a little taster when that happened last year. Watch now. And you won't be able to do that same thing twice because people will remind you yeah. of how you behaved previously. But last time you could go suck your mother, you absolute fucking prick. <laughs> Ooh. I felt that one. Oh, then on to Shamima Begum. Oh, Shamima, Shamima, Shamima. I think we need to give a bit of background on this one, but just in case yep. some of our listeners have forgotten. So Shamima, 15 years old, she was once upon a time. Yep. She was indoctrinated. She was radicalized. Yes. And then she, she was groomed. She was groomed, ultimately. And then fled to Syria, I believe. Yes. Uh, with two other girls and um, has basically been living there since then. Now, she has gone through a terrible, traumatic is, is an understatement, yes. time while she was over there. She's lost children. Yep. She had been abused. She's lost her husband. Yep. All sorts of happened, right? And it's totally up to you if you want to feel sorry for her. But anyways, she has now had a change in consciousness. Yeah. She decided, actually, I don't want to be part of this ISIS thing. Yeah. Yep. This ISIS thing was never... I was never meant to be part of it. It was never for me anyways. Yep. I would like to come back home yep. where I was born yes. in the UK yep. to deal with the, the consequences. consequences of my yeah. actions. Yep. I would like to come back to do that. What have we said as the UK? What did we tell her this girl? Um, well, your parents are from Bangladesh, so you can fuck right off over there if you want to. <sighs> and my whole thing is like, I cuss the general public the racist white public, I cast them out all the time. So this isn't even a straw to them. They, they've got straws for eternity. Like they will suck their mothers dry to the end of time. That is not my problem. My problem is with you fucking blacks. Yeah. You fucking blackies. Yeah. My problems with you lot, because I can't believe that you are seeing what's happening with Shamima and you are there going yes yeah, serves her right serves her right they should take her citizenship away and she can appeal as many times as she wants to she doesn't need to get it back you are a fucking fool you saw what happened with um what's happening with the windrush generation you saw all of that stuff what Preeti patel is telling you lot as clear as day if i know that you are from somewhere else or your parents are from somewhere else i'm going to move heaven and hell because she not even heaven she's going to move earth and hell she has no jurisdiction over heaven to get you back there. She wants to move you lot back to your countries right now ASAP. She does not want you here. She wants to be the only brown in the village, yeah? She wants all of you gone. But you can't see that that's what's happening. You have to ask yourself why the UK was so hell-bent. Let's say um, England specifically. So hell-bent on leaving the EU. When you leave the EU, you're no longer governed by the um, European Court of Human Rights and all of that stuff. So you can do whatever you want to do. And that's what they wanted to do all along. Watch how exponentially people's citizenships are going to be taken away from them. Shamima is the extreme case, you fucking cunt. She's the extreme case. But the precedent that they set for that means that they'll be able to apply that same precedent to everybody else you can go to a fucking black lives matter and it's interesting that we're just talking about george floyd and the black lives matter movement yeah you can go to a fucking black lives matter march all that needs to happen is one police officer just doesn't like the the look of you that's it just doesn't like the look of you you get arrested right terrorist that's it done done 
Done. That's it. And when they even looking into BLM as a as terrorist, terrorist organization, yep. And my thing is that if you are black, brown, and you are a woman or a non-binary with some bum ass pussy, you should be scared. Yeah. Because one day they're just going to turn around and say, "Oh, you're a terrorist. You're going to go back, go, go back to your your parents' country." Yeah scary and it's interesting that you spe- specify that as well because it's about the um, the misogyny that's a ch- um, that's that's inherently there in all of this because there have been men who have done similar things to Sh- um, to what Shamima has done uh, they weren't as young as Shamima none of that um and they they haven't had their citizenships taken away if Shamima was um a white girl who had done this you would be able to see that it was grooming you would have been able to see that she was fucking 15 years old fam like i'm not excusing what we she did at all I, i'm not excusing what she did at all but what i'm saying is that where is the empathy to understand that a young girl was radicalized and we also have to understand the um, imperialist and um, realities of of Britain and and America and what they go to do in other people's countries in the first place because we're talking like these people just woke up one day and said fuck it we want we want arms out we want it with Britain let's go no what has Britain been doing to these places destabilizing their governments everything what they've been doing to them for decades if they're gonna clap back I might not like how they're clapping back but they're gonna clap back severely obviously obviously and so now we have to consider all of those realities that britain is not faultless and sometimes people are retaliating to the very violent things that britain and and america are doing to them but we don't get that shown to us on tv and if it's shown to us it's presented to the to us through the lens of they're protecting our freedoms what freedom what freedom are we truly free are any of us free right now because as far as i'm concerned we're locked in our yards anyway if we're talking about the literal sense but none of us are truly free and we cannot be free if anybody else is unfree like we've been told this many many times before so then if these countries are going about things in their own way because they're reacting to the things that have been done to them by other people's governments and whatever else might be going on and they're now recruiting people and they're taking young impressionable young girls right and they're grooming them grooming them playing with their minds getting them to this mind state and then they go over there she has been through so much like like Sadiq said this girl has been through so much if again if it was a white girl you lot would not have been you would not be having this conversation you'd be like oh she needs to come back she needs to come back we can deal with her over here but you don't see Shamima as your own because she's got a funny tinge yeah that's that's you and she wears a hijab that's literally it and that's what i'm trying to say it's just i i'm personally scared and i'm not a criminal i don't think there's anything that i can do <laughs> yeah. that they could strip my citizenship away from but it just makes you think okay so i'm actually not british then right that basically what you're saying yeah. but the thing is i think that like i said like it's the extreme case that we've got with shamima they'll start expanding the um the um, kind of yeah the, the 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 parameters within which they can say oh no i don't like what you did over there so now we've got a problem you can't lie you're a mouthy person all you have to do is mouth enough. off to the wrong person <laughs> and, and that's it and that's, that's it they're done. like yeah all right you can go too because then it'll just be a case of anything yep. like, they're trying to stop critical thinking and critical race analysis in schools they don't want schools to even talk about uh, white privilege right so you're trying As to a fact t- uh, right so they're not even trying to address facts anymore in schools. They want to indoctrinate young children to believe that Britain has done no wrong, this, that, this, that. That's propaganda, yep. right? And so they're wanting to do that in school. So you're trying to tell me that now I'll be doing this podcast. We'll just be here chatting, chatting, chatting. And this also will not then be deemed as radicalizing people. 
the 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 parameters are going to change. The parameters are going to change, and this is what we're seeing with um, Shamima thing, and they, um, you know this Shamima situation, and they're going to say, "Well, if you want to stay, stop doing what you're doing," and then that is how they really start to affect your free speech. It's interesting that when it's free speech and it's racist white men looking haggard and pink as hell, <laughs> it, their free speech needs to be protected, right? But then notice how the people, the darker you are, the more limits there's going to be around the things that you're yes, allowed to the say. The less free your speech oh, becomes. Oh, okay then. Okay then. And, and the um, outcome of that will be like, if you don't um, fall in line, you can just hand over that British passport and get, the fuck, get the fuck out. And my thing is that, just I want to just reiterate, just like me and you, we do not condone what this Shamima girl has done. If anything, I'm sure you can find a way to maybe put her in jail or whatever or whatnot. Because you lot love jail. You, so yeah, yeah, that's, you that's love always that. an option. Right. But the fact of the matter is the girl is British. And just like what you're saying about if it was a white girl, if it was a white girl, their parents were born in Britain. Wait, where are you? Wait, how are you going to make her stateless? Yeah. What are you going to, what are you actually going to do? What are you actually going to say? And I'll be the first to say, and I think I've already said it. I don't want to see Shamima Shamima on the Jubilee line. (laughs) I don't, no, no. I'm being serious. I'm advocating for her to come back and fight for her. But I don't want to see, babe, I don't want to see you on the the ground. I don't. Because you've, she's, she knows that she's, she's ruined that for herself. Yes. yeah. She will admit that herself, yeah. right? Like you've but, made people mad, uncomfortable around you now. Like, yeah, that, she that, actually, that, yeah. The You're, very, the very, the very lies that they've been telling us over the time, the very Islamophobic um, propaganda that they've been trying to feed us all the time to make us fear Muslim people or visibly presenting Muslim women, especially. You're now seeing you've made that a reality. Yes, for a lot unfortunately. Of yes, right. Yes. And, but and with that said, I think like, like your favorite saying: two things can be true. True, right? Oh. Two things can be true. This girl was groomed. I mean, someone was even saying on Twitter the other day they were like some um, experts, psychologists, whatever you want to call them, argue that actually you're not even fully. Um, your brain's not fully yeah, formed. Yeah, your, 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 your brain's not fully formed until you're like 25. Right, and she went at 15. She went at 15. I can't even begin to to think about the kind of person I was at 15 years old and you lot are going to hold me to that at this age? At 15, you could have said to me, and I'm just be honest, you could have said to me, um, wait, what's your name? Is your name Sadiq? And I'd be like, yeah. They'd be like, oh, come Sadiq, Beyonce's in this van. <laughs> I would be, I would have, what? I would have opened the van myself. Beyonce? I would have, I would have jumped Beyonce? Out. I wouldn't even have said that. I'm going straight into the van about Beyonce's in the van. I'm going there. We're going in that van. Remember when you were at school and they'd be like, if somebody offers you sweets and tells you to get in the van, say no, not realising that it's Beyonce that will get, <laughs> that will get me there. I've said it. I've you said want it. sweets? Fuck off. Beyonce's in the van. Okay. I'll go into that van. And you see, that could have happened to me. There could, there could have been no more Sadiq if some, some yeah. conniving person yeah. came to me at 15 and said, Beyonce's in that van, get in. There would have been no more Sadiq. So the point I'm trying to make is that at 15, you are a baby. Yes. You are a baby. And I'm so pissed off. I can't remember the the movie I watched, on the series I watched on Netflix. I told you to watch it, where it talks about, I think it's set in Switzerland or Sweden. And it, 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 it follows the story of girls that have been radicalized and taken over to, I don't want to make a name for it, but taken over to somewhere there. Yeah. Um, to become suicide, um, to become suicide bombers. I, okay, um, I'm, I'm going to try and. Oh, guys, I'm, it's so bad of me to not remember the name. But I, a show did you, on and you told me to watch it. Yes, I told you to watch it. This was, this was this was early last year. Okay, so I still need to watch that, and I need to still watch. I care a lot. Oh yeah, I don't. I don't want to because I can talk about I care a lot. I yeah. really, really enjoyed that for me. Is this a good segue from? <laughs> no, <laughs> <not> <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Yeah. I don't think 
So but, this is how the mind works anyway. Does. But yeah, um, like I said, white people, I don't give a fuck. Like I've been giving you lot straws, so I don't give a shit. But you blacks, you fucking blacks that <laughs> can't see that how what's happening to Shamima is going to affect your nearest and dearest in one way or another if you don't pattern the fuck up and, and know that something this can't run like we, we can't allow this to happen then i don't know what to say to you yes. because you want to do clink clink and twitter all of the time and not understand that you can't live that life like when you come off twitter you still you're still black and you still got to exist in this reality the same way that the rest of us do so don't fuck it up for everybody else even yeah? if you in the bins you're still a nigger in, <laughs> in a, a coop <laughs> to quote the one that was that that's that, that's in the sunken place you know the, oh but he he came through with that he he was he, he was, he was oh, he was prophesizing. Oh, when it all, it it all falls, falls down. Oh, my one of my fave songs. That's it. Ever. So and we know that. It. Yeah. Well, so then let's go to the straw of the week. Finish this letter. I remembered. Oh yes, a letter. Yep. Yeah. He says, okay, so that's the niceties out of the way. Now onto the most disturbing news. I'm If I'm given the privilege of um, having my letter read out on the podcast, I know this doesn't really help you seg into So You Mad. However, I vehemently believe that this is a story worth um, worthy of straw of the week and nothing less severe. It's that messed up. Here goes. Boris Johnson's government is very quietly trying to rush through legislation that would allow sweeping powers to un, um, to undercover operatives, essentially giving them license to commit any crime, knowing they have complete legal immunity. The two pieces of legislation, the Covert Human Intelligence Sources Bill, known as the Spy Cops Bill, and the Overseas Operations Bill protect um, undercover operatives as well as Ministry of Defence and Armed Forces personnel from prosecution for crimes committed on domestic and overseas soil, respectively. Let's be clear, as far as civil um, liberties and human rights are concerned, this will be some of the most dangerous legislation ever passed in this country. To me, it literally sounds like a license to kill. And it's worth bearing in mind that it's already extremely difficult for victims of abuses of power committed by undercover operatives to seek legal redress. Some of these abuses have been so sinister, they almost defy belief. One chilling example is a case that came to light about 10 years ago, exposing undercover police officers that had infiltrated protest movements. I remember this. Did you watch Undercover with Sophia Conedo? I loved it. Yeah, that's that was based on this. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um... So, what's it, um, that, that had infiltrated po- protest movements with the deliberate motive of sabotaging environmental justice and anti-fascist and anti-racist and other radical or progressive organisations. Operatives went as far as to marry women who were political activists and campaigners, and in at least one case, even to father the victim's children, all under the pretense of being an ally to their cause. To this Sick. day, yeah, there's a whole book, I've got a book of, um, about it at home. To this day, I don't think anyone has been held accountable for this insidious deception. One of the victims described her experience as being raped by the state, which is true. If this can be allowed to happen, what can we expect when the legislation mentioned above has passed? I cringe at the thought. I'm not going to expend expend mental energy trashing Boris Johnson, his government or, or the MPs that are signing off on these laws. In fact, I truly worry for them because when that karmic boomerang spins back on them, it's not going to be pretty. I just want to bring this issue to people's consciousness so we can collectively apply pressure on our MPs to try and reverse the damage. If it's helpful, I've included a few links below that people can follow to find out about these laws. Thank you for reading this unreasonably long letter. Thank you for all that you do and congratulations in advance for your Oscar. Thank you. Yes. 
I'm so looking forward to seeing the gown. Oh, yes, yes, boo. Wishing you peace and joy always, Cam. Thank you, baby boy. And it says here, P.S. Sadiq, I will forever be brought to tears when I hear the phrase Olympus has fallen. We all truly <laughs> appreciate the warmth and laughter that you've brought to the podcast. Infinite slaps on your chest as well. <laughs> Thank you so much. Lots of love. I got so many quotes from that saying Olympus has fallen. <laughs> It came so natural to me to say that. It came so natural to me to say that. So, um, yeah, so you can all go and look up the Spive Cops legislation. Um, and then That's you, mad. Yeah. Even with, like, I'll be honest, when I was watching Undercover and, you know, the whole plot was revealed, I don't want to ruin it, well, mm. I guess we've already ruined it for yeah, people, yeah. but yeah, the whole plot was revealed. I was thinking, ain't, come on, ain't no way. So you acted like you liked the coochie for how long? Yeah, yeah. You had kids. Really? You yeah. don't do that? But, it, it, that's a special kind of sickness yeah it's and, a special and kind of sickness it's happened so much that we wouldn't even believe like it happens so often we wouldn't even realize it is it that, is it okay for me to, to class it as in some ways trigger warning rape yeah that's what yeah that's it because that that wasn't the person you consented to like you weren't consenting to the person that they were yeah. a, a police officer or whatever you weren't consenting to that so that's that's exactly what it was and that's what one of the victims said she was like i feel like it was the state the country that that did that to me Crazy. because and it's so disheartening and this is why you know if you don't see me letting you friend me up online and things like that and being cool it's because i really believe that some undercover people are out there like wanting to be my friend to just kind of know like oh we've got to keep a watch on her she's a bit mouthy that one and infiltrate yeah. and, they, and, and this undercover shows you just how pure they might seem they yes. might seem like they're just yeah. regular because, people because they've been studying you yes for, yes for years acting like they support yeah, you yeah that would that would terrify me i think well, if i was sophia canido her character i would have just in a in a frenzy grab the knife and you're yeah. taking you out but because that's crazy it's it's three mad. children three children three children and you'll you'll see your handler regularly and for other people they get so sucked into that undercover life like we saw in the one of the storylines she ended up like dying wasn't she like she became a drug addict yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and she was saying she was, she was trying to make out like she was managing it yeah, nah, nah you were yeah. super undercover undercover that was no work-life balance no <laughs> perfect you see <laughs> look you see come full circle there you go. There was no work-life balance None. for that one. She was, she was doing all sorts, weren't she? Right. And then we know, like, Fred Hampton and the Black Panthers and the fact that they, they the CIA got had that infiltrated was it the fbi they had they had so many political just movements. the things that fred hampton was 20 21 a baby a baby boy Ooh, a baby boy you lot went and did that so that just goes to show like think of all the movements that have been going on throughout the centuries throughout the decades right and how they've been infiltrated to kind of just bust, bust them and discombobulate them from within because that's that's what people do that's what the state does whenever you try to gather they'll put somebody in there to really just you know fuck everybody over good at doing it as well incredible at doing it and now i think that you know i talk about it with kane day andrews as well more than ever they've become very good Mm. at being able to do it now because social media exists so Mm. they don't even have to come to your physical places or your physical groups anymore you just have to they just have to make you like them enough that you'll follow back and then you know and, and, and interact and then they've got you from there so Done. don't worry though if you tried that with me or if you're trying that with me <laughs> i'll bring you to the other side baby just, <laughs> Boy, you will back. you will get you will get well, there's a term for it actually for um you know long-term undercovers when they become what's that yeah there is a term for yeah, it when, they, is, when, yeah, they, get, yeah, when yeah. they when they become part of the lifestyle they yeah. forget that they're undercover you forget it Boy. i'll get you the, the next time you see your handler you'll be like oh so i had a tarot reading the other day <laughs> done out here you you will be wearing african print <laughs> 
<laughs> you will be wearing all sorts of. You'll be showing up print. to them police meetings with a dashiki. I will get you all the way over. <laughs> you just be constantly saying two things can be true. <laughs> they won't know what to do with you, so don't, don't, don't play yourself like that. But anyway, that's that for this week, man. It's good to be back. Yes, it's good to be we back. had a had a break for a week. I know had that some of you really struggled. We were like, oh my god, where's the podcast? Yeah, but you've we're got here, this. We're here. A week feels long, though. It does. So much happens. Yes, I feel like I see you all the time now. Yeah, which is weird. I don't think I've seen you this much in our no, life. No, no, but not since you moved out. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. Years ago, Jesus yeah, Christ. Yeah, wow. So yeah, podcast brings us together, which is wonderful. I love that for us. I love oh, that for us. And my Cartier, <laughs> guys. Sorry for screaming earlier. Sorry, that was. She really, really pulled that out of the bag. Literally, I was like, you came in the house. I didn't see anything on you. No, nope. I'm just had to see one red bag. I was just like, don't prank me on the podcast. <laughs> Don't prank me on the, I'm I'm you guys are talk well, you guys are listening to the owner of a Cartier bracelet. Um so yeah, just to remind you guys, my birthday on Tuesday, I'm turning twenty four and I have a what's the cuff for? Nothing. I now have a Cartier bracelet and yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm honestly so happy. Thank you I'm so glad, much. I'm glad. That's what you deserve. Thank You're just you. a baby boy, thank supreme you, baby boy. You, thank you. And we just wanted to show you that love, you know. Thank you. My pleasure. And so, yeah, that's that's it from us lot. That's it. Um, We, we just, we love to see it. We love to see it. Yes. Don't know and I ever do without you from the beginning to the end. You've always been there right beside me, so I call you my best friend. Oi. Tune. Big tune. Big tune. Anyway, it's just been me, Kalechi. And me, Sadi. And this has been SYM, officially known as Say Your Mind, unofficially known as What What? That's right. Suck your mom. So that's that. We're out. See you later. Peace. It's the Ben's Brunani woman is Baby boys, baby girls, you need to hear this Baby sit down, sit down, receive this realness Make sure your cup's ready for the tea we are go sipping here Hard time scrolling for your long shorts You might learn something you never know Collect you find, and she's one of a kind Don't say you mind, say you mind